calling shot after shot Whether you like it or not And it takes more than a plot To knock this beat from the top As blizz I conquer this land With destiny in my hands Cause many may in demand Yo, what's up everybody? It's time for the It Off The Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball and I am joined as always by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. Jim, tonight's a big night. We got episode 28 titled Closing It Out because tonight, man, we're closing out season one of the podcast. It's, uh, it's bittersweet, but I'm happy with where we're at with season one i'm extremely excited for the guests that we got lined up for season two and most importantly we're going to close out this season with our friend and a longtime friend uh college football you know one of the top players in the country like i could i could go on for days talking about him uh but we're going to bring him on he's going to talk to us a little bit about his time uh, Mr. Carlton Robinson. But before we bring Carlton in the mix, Jim, it's a good weekend for sports, but I don't know if it was a good weekend for our sports. But nonetheless, how was your weekend? I was pretty solid. You know, we'll just ignore Saturday existed and move to Sunday. And, you know, our guest last week was Grace McClellan, and she kindly invited us down to Starkville to watch them play Mississippi State in soccer. And not only did my daughter invite three of her teammates and they got to watch and learn a lot but they got to meet their favorite uh their favorite players they got to meet uh Rami and Maddie Moreau and they got to take pictures and get autographs and so you know this podcast has done a lot of great things but we talk about all the time our kids are number one and the fact that I got to watch my daughter and her friends just light up and have their day made because I got to meet you know girls that they they find to be a really big deal so that was, uh, I mean, that really made Saturday and LSU football just kind of fall off, man. It was, it was about soccer, and I know soccer isn't a big deal to you, but my family with my daughter, it is. So uh, it, was a good, it was a good deal Sunday. Oh, shout out to Grace. I mean, that's, that's a, a stand-up move, and, you know, just we just met her, and she's willing to do the things that she did for your family and for your daughter like that's that's amazing and i think that's why you know we get the athletes that we do on here because we don't necessarily look for like the best athlete in the country we look for quality athletes character athletes and you know people that you know want to get their name known and want to get out there and do the right thing so Shout out to Grace. I wish her the best of luck. I did catch a little bit of the game on TV, and I, I thought that was pretty awesome. I mean, it's, this is the second time now, Jim, that we've had the opportunity to interview somebody and turn around and then flip on a channel, and there they are. So it's 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 pretty awesome. So you know, yeah. While we're throwing shout outs and we're talking about that other person we saw on TV, Trey Washington, man, making headlines of newspaper and internet, sealing the deal with a interception that that iced the game for uh hewitt trustville so shout out to trey absolutely so you know we got a lot of sports to talk to you know we have our guest but he's really on just as another expert in the world of sports and a friend and tonight's going to be a, a lot of laughs a lot of fun and we're going to dig deep into some of these these sports but Without further ado, I'm going to bring our boy on, Carlton Robinson. Carlton, my man, how we doing tonight? What is going on, fellas? Doing oh, great, man. man. Glad to be here. Absolutely, man. It's finally glad to we're, – we're, we're happy to get you on, man, because 
I know there's been a lot of talk back and forth on social media, um, you know, and, and I, I love watching the, the, the back and forth that you and Jim and Randy and all you guys have, because I just kind of sit back and it's like the, the meme of Michael Jackson eating popcorn. That's what I do. I just <laughs> sit back and just, just take it all in. But, um, you know, our, our listeners want to know, well, well, why Carlton? So, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Why, why do we have you on to talk all sports? Like what gives you the knowledge and the expertise? Uh, well, man, uh, for one, I am a sports junkie. Uh, I've been playing sports since I was about five or six years old. Uh, I actually moved to Memphis when I was in the ninth grade and, uh, went to Bolton High School with these two great gentlemen, the real BHS, you know? Mm, yes, sir. <laughs> but, uh, man, uh, I've been a – I was a three-star athlete in high school, and I uh, had uh, hella offers in pretty much football, basketball, and track. And I was never home. Um, and football season over with, I went straight to basketball. Basketball season was over with, I went straight to – running track you know what I'm saying and uh I remember the first the my 10th grade year was my first year running track and I remember at football practice when coaches we got in trouble <laughs> coach would make us run those little five-yard sprints man they would kill me and uh after running track football practice was like a breeze for me you know what I'm saying that next that next junior season and I, it was just amazing the different type of the, the different type of shape that you're in you know, in the different sports. Cause like when I had to come from football to play basketball, it took me like the month to get in shape. I'd foul out like every game cause I'd be so tired. I'd be hacking everybody. And then when I went from basketball to track, it would take me like another month to get in track shape. But man, um, I think me, Victor, uh, the, the late Jeremy Gray, I don't know if y'all heard about Jeremy Gray passing away. Um, but Jeremy and uh, Lee Johnson, man, we actually still hold, the school record for a uh, four by one meter relay at like 42 seconds flat. Man, that's which what's is up. ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, we actually went down to Florida to a meet of champions. It's like teams from all over the country, man, that were down there. And uh, we finished third in that meet, in, the, in that race. And uh, that kind of prepared us for uh, state and everything. So, man, I, I finished uh, first and second in a lot of big races. Um, got track athlete of the year uh, in the county. Uh, made all Shelby Metro basketball, football, uh, track. Um, I was the first D1 uh, signee from uh, for football from from our high school uh, since Coach Kraft in '86. So um, that was that was kind of a, a a big you know deal for me because. Uh, a lot of people didn't know, like when Whitehaven came out to play as Daniel, uh, and uh, and uh, when I think, because uh, you graduated '03, right, or '02? '02. Okay, '02. So that next year, Whitehaven came out and they had to play us. And I got a couple of friends that are from Whitehaven. They were like, "Dude, we didn't know where the hell we were going." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so to be to be able to put Bolton on the map like that, you know what I'm saying, and to see them continue to have good success after my senior class was over with, that was that was. That was pretty uh that's pretty cool for me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So you're a natural athlete and you work really hard and you become really good at three sports. 
So of those three sports, what is your favorite? Man, I tell you what, uh, I grew up, my mom and dad had me when they were both in junior college playing basketball. So I grew up a basketball fanatic, you know what I'm saying, a basketball fan. And then in eighth grade, I played quarterback. And I was running for a first down, and I got straight smacked in the mouth. I'm talking about earpiece flying out, mouthpiece flew out. I hit the first down marker, and I didn't get it. And my coach at the time, uh, Coach, Coach Wilbert Webb, I'll never forget him, God rest his soul. But he he <laughs> he looked at me dead in the eyes. He was like, get right back in there, run the same exact play, and you run him over this time. And I did it, and I ran for like 70 yards for a touchdown, and I was in love ever since, dude. So football has been like my love, you know what I'm saying, ever since, like getting smacked in the mouth in eighth grade. I, my, I loved all the rest of the sports, you know what I'm saying? But football, it's nothing like football, man. It's just, I don't know, you get to hit people and you get to get hit. You get to shake people, you get to run away from people. It's just it's just so much different from everything else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I always yeah. like that question because sometimes, you know, people assume that when you have a multi sport athlete, that whatever sport that they chose that route to go in further is their favorite. But sometimes the best sport is not the favorite. You see a lot of these guys in NFL or MLB Definitely. who have to make Definitely. a decision. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um I I don't know if you guys know uh Travis Outlaw he used to play for the Portland Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went to Mississippi State. Yeah. Yes, but me man. and Travis, dude, Travis has been 6'8 since we were 13 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I played AAU basketball with Travis, man. And uh, I was, Travis is a couple years older than me. I think he graduated with Daniel in 02 or 03. But uh, I, was, I was 15 on a 17 and under. Uh, AU basketball team and I played with Travis and a couple other guys um, one of one of the guys um, he went to Clarks he's from Clarksdale Mississippi I think Travis is from Starkville um, but he went to Ole Miss played against him uh, he played corner at Ole Miss actually um, when we were all on that AU team and he was a way better basketball player than he was a football player to your point, Jim. And uh, he ended up going to the NFL, playing for the Giants for like, you know, five years. And then he played for the Bears for like another three years. So, you know, right to your point, you know, football was never his best sport. He was just good at good enough at it, get a scholarship. You know what I'm saying? And he ended up playing and, uh, you know, ended up turning out to be a, you know, money-making career for him. So it's crazy to see that because uh, Travis, I think Travis played baseball also. When we were when we were young, so man, so to see those guys. Basically, too. what I'm gathering is you and all your friends growing up were good at everything. I don't want to say <laughs> it like that, but I mean, hey, call it what it is. It oh, it was yeah. just we had uh, we had a bunch of coaches, man, that kept us all together, uh, pretty much in everything that we played, and uh, we kind of grew up playing everything together. So once we once we got older, we were it wasn't like you know, I didn't know the guy or, you know what I'm saying? It was, mm-hmm. we pretty much had a chemistry ever since we were like sixth grade, you know what I'm saying? And that's totally different from putting a team together from scratch as far as like AAU or something like that. And guys got to get practices and stuff under their belt to get chemistry, you know, and things like that to be able to win. But, you know, man, I those coaches kept us together and everything, man. And our, our parents knew uh, one another. So, they always wanted us to play together, and that, that helped us out tremendously, to be honest with you. So we 
we can see the the Memphis gear hanging in the background. So oh yeah, tell tell us about that because that's that's what we really want to know. We want to know about the, that time with the Tigers. Man, uh, it was probably one of the most uh, exciting times of my life. I tell any athlete, man, if you can go to college, I don't care if it's D one, two, three, go. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be awesome. But to be able to go to Memphis um, was one of the best times of my life, honestly, because I uh, was competed. Uh, we competed against a lot of guys from the city, but uh, we all had like a signing party, like a week before signing day. A lot of us did. Uh, myself, Joseph Doss, uh, Maurice Jones, went to White Station High School. Uh, a bunch of the guys from Christian Brother, Brett Russell, Brandon Pierce, all those guys. Corey, uh, Corey was actually an all-American dude. And uh, he turned down like Michigan and other Big Ten schools to go to Ole Miss. And then the very next year after his freshman season, he came to Memphis. But playing there, man, was was just absolutely awesome. Uh, we ran a spread offense. And that was totally different from what we did in, when I was in high school at Bozeman with you guys. Because we were a wing team, you know, mostly running offense. And I probably caught, you know, five passes a game. But uh, going from catching five passes a game to maybe seven or eight, and uh, running in arounds, uh, being in three wide, four wide, sometimes even five wide, uh, that just took – that just for, – for my football acumen, you know, that just took – that just took my game to a whole nother level. Um, I mean, didn't you basically honest, get there when Memphis really started opening up that type of yeah. offense? Because they, they didn't do that when we were growing up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, the, they, the year before I got there, they won the New Orleans Bowl. And – my class uh, went to a bowl game every single year we were there. So that was that was pretty awesome, man. Uh, we went to uh, Detroit, uh, St. Petersburg. I went to New Orleans twice, actually, played in the Aria Carriers Bowl. And uh, those were some fun times, man. Those were, those were some real fun times. I made a lot of good relationships, uh, even with cats in the other sports. I know Daniel's on the baseball team and uh, – just, just uh, a lot of relationships that I have until this day. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I, I got from being at the University of Memphis. So it's, it's safe to say that we, to, to jump into all these sports, we got the right guy tonight. We, we definitely got the right guy. Oh yeah, you want to talk sport sports? Three-sport athlete, man. We, we got it. You want to talk sports, man? I'm, I'm, I'm your guy, man. I'm, I'm a sports fanatic. Hey Daniel, I tell you what, man. I still hadn't got past it. I got to bring it up because I've been thinking about it ever since he said it. When he was talking about their their track team and I was thinking about him and Victor and the complete opposites they are, right? We're talking about tall and short, long strides, short strides. And I was just – I was kind of picturing that. I was kind of picturing whoever – did y'all by chance pass it to each other or were y'all spread out? I think Victor either went first in the, in the relay leg. It, it was always between him and Jeremy. But – uh Sometimes they went third, but I think because of my stride and his stride, we had a little difficulties. That's why I was um, asking because it seems yeah. like that would be. So rough. we had to we we actually had to switch it, like right before the season started. Uh, Coach Henderson, we were doing do we were doing handoffs like a thousand handoffs a day. Like we would be dead tired because we'd be running so many sprints trying to get the handoff right. But we just figured out that 
his arm length and my arm length and his leg length and my leg length <laughs> weren't the best combo, you know what I'm saying, as far as handing off from third to the last leg of the relay action. But it all worked out in the end, man. Yeah, no doubt. You're holding that record, so something worked. So, I mean, let's jump into this, man. Let's – we got a lot on tap. You know, we got football going on right now. We just ended NBA. And I I want to start with that because, you know, a few That's months old. ago – yeah, I mean, a, a few months ago, we were getting introduced to this bubble idea, and I think everyone was more – 80% that this is going to fail and 20% that this is going to work. And yeah, for sure. here we are now, you know, no positive test. And I, I think it's just a, a testament to Adam Silver, a testament to the players in the league for sticking to the plan and really, you know, sure. wa- wanting to, to carry this out and wanting to win. Yes. There were a couple of, of, Slip ups. There's a couple of people leaving for for some hot wings. There were some people <laughs> bringing girls in. Living pepper forever. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, we had a podcast just titled just for that. I mean, it was it we was. We brought up the menu and everything. We discussed it. Well, as a matter of fact, Daniel, we got to ask him. Look, Carlson, would you eat at a strip club? Yeah, I ain't gonna lie, man. Uh, I go to Atlanta a lot. Uh, I got a lot of friends that I play ball with that, that's from Atlanta, and we used to go all the time, like on spring break and stuff. And that's how I kind of got familiar with the city. Um, I've even taken my wife to Blue Flame. Uh, that's that's like one of the strip clubs there. Uh, Follies is a strip club there. And dude, I, I can't lie, dude. Them them wings are fire. The food the food in there is fire, bro. I, I can't even lie. I'm not gonna even front it. They get you full and they get you sitting back in that chair. Yep. Before you know it, you, they got you your credit card, your debit yes, card, yes, and they sir. just they just keep bringing it to you. They bring you the bill at the well, end of the night. Well, now we know. Hey, this is settled because none of us had any knowledge. We debated it, but we had no knowledge of it's, whether it's the food totally would be good. Experience. It's a totally different experience, Jim. Like like people that are from there. They have birthday parties at the strip club, bro. Like it's it's not it's not even like nothing just special about you know what I'm saying. You know how some people just go to the strip club for okay, it's a bachelor party. We're going to strip club. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It could be somebody's birthday weekend. It could be just them wanting to get out the house on the so, weekend. So you, know you know think Lou's story was 100 percent true? He just stopped in to I, get some food. I, I mean, out? I ain't gonna say he just stopped there to get some food. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? They definitely do that more often than other people around the country. They they definitely go to strip clubs like on the regular just for fun. All I know, and, uh, all I know is you know I'm a Westbrook guy and so uh, with that I pay attention to Harden. That was probably the the best part about the bubble is they were able to keep Harden out of the strip club every night. Yeah. At least I think. I don't know. I mean Daniel House was was up to no good. There was no telling what Harden might have been doing. I know, right? Well, that- that's how they get to use that per diem money. Strip clubs <laughs> offer food, and they yeah. can use that money there. You're right. So, itemize, itemize the That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Just give give me the give me the tab for the food, and then everything else on a separate check. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, Carlton, I'll start with you, man. Like, what is more impressive, the Lakers winning it all, or the Heat being in the finals? Well, I think everybody pretty much knew that uh, once once the Clippers kind of choked against um, the, the Nuggets, that the Lakers would be the favorite. Um, I think a lot of people had them 
maybe not as much as the Clippers, but had them up right up there as the favorites the entire season. But for uh, Miami to acquire Jimmy and, you know, just kind of put him around all those young guys, man, just see how many young guys they had to play. I, uh, as big as a LeBron fan that I am, I, I have to say that seeing the Heat make it that far, you know what I'm saying, was was probably the, the bigger the bigger deal, to be honest with you. Yeah, you, you mentioned Jimmy Butler, Jim. I was curious about this. Would there ever have been a scenario where the Heat maybe force a game seven, Jimmy Butler has another triple-double night? Is there – is there a scenario where the Heat lose in game seven, but Jimmy Butler could be considered the MVP of the finals? No, simply because of how LeBron was playing, right? Like a lot of years you could you could make a case for somebody who may be on the losing team, but LeBron was so efficient, right? Like, I mean, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I mean – that's that's probably my biggest thing about LeBron, right? We know we know he can get the triple doubles. We know he can he can assist out and get everyone involved. We know he can rebound. We know he can play defense. But how efficiently he scored and how he was able to do what he wanted to do, he I was think just it was damn so near sixty percent, Jim. Yeah, so he was so fantastic. Like it's, I mean, Jimmy could Jimmy was Superman for Miami, no doubt. But it was LeBron's. It just was. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to picture a losing team and having the most valuable player um but in this in that scenario i i could definitely see with the way jimmy butler played i mean how throughout the entire playoffs how jimmy butler played like he he was definitely in my opinion the most valuable player for his team whether or not he was the most valuable player in the well he had the the best single game performance with that game five, 47 minutes and triple double. I mean, he, he went to he, he absolutely had to have that game. You know what I'm saying? But let me, let, let's take it a step further. So Jim, if you remove Jimmy Butler from the court, how many games in the playoffs do the heat win? Not just the finals in the playoffs. No, like let's say we remove him. So let's remove him from the Heat and remove LeBron from the Lakers. And from round one all the way to the finals, who wins more games? I mean, they could have still got past Indiana, but they would have got rolled in the second round, undoubtedly. So, I mean, I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy makes that team, you know, he's, he's the heartbeat. Yeah, that's, that's the only reason why I asked that question is because I, I, removing him over any other player on any other team is a huge deal. Oh yeah. Well, I think he he set an example. Those young guys that Carlton's talking about, they don't play like that if they don't have somebody leading that charge, right? Like, no, no doubt. Yeah, I, you know, I that that brings us up to the to the next point, and I know it's early, but you know, there's always that talk. All right, well, who's the favorite for next year? And I don't want to get in right this second who the favorite's going to be. But in my eyes, in order for Miami to be back where they are, Jimmy Butler has to be the same guy that he is now. And those young guys need to pick up exactly where they are leaving off. But do do the Heat need to add anybody, Jim? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's been the talk. Can they find a way to get the Greek freak there? I mean, that's the key piece. And I know – 
obviously it's a big, big piece, but I mean, there was a, there was a lot of talk behind it, but obviously there's other guys out there, but you had to find somebody who is going to play Robin, right? Like we've talked about that so many times on so many different teams. You've got to find somebody who isn't going to want to be the guy, somebody who's going to want to be the other guy and will not kill their chemistry, especially because Jimmy's such an alpha, right? So that's the key. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard, especially now, because we see that, you know, I wouldn't say super teams, but you're getting two superstars on these teams, and it doesn't always equate to championships and a lot of wins. Um, Carlton, is there, like, anything that you would see that, you know, that wouldn't work for the Heat? being with Jimmy Butler like Jim's saying you know bring Giannis over there but does that work or is there somebody else out there you think that's a better fit uh I, I think it could work just because they're two totally different type of players uh Jimmy is an excellent facilitator a rebounder and uh just overall scorer of the ball where Giannis would probably be more of a defensive presence um, he can't really go and get you a bucket in the clutch like Jimmy can on his own. And I think that's why they lost, you know, um, in the early rounds this year because they were dependent on him, you know, in the clutch to try to close out games. And that's just not in Giannis yet, you know. It's just not a part of his game yet. And he would benefit much, much more having a, a guy like Jimmy or let's just do this, Daniel. Let's throw him on Golden State. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be yeah. insane. Yeah, there, and there's been talk, and there's been talk about it. I, I hate that you said that because there's some truth to that. Because there's been talk about Golden State dealing that second pick along with some other assets to try to find a way, and that's pretty enticing. Dude, that'd be that'd be insane. Like, because dude. Daniel, the thing is, like, right, like, here's here's the problem with if you're Milwaukee. Kevin Durant has now set it up for everybody to be scared of leaving your your market, your smaller market team, right? And and Anthony Davis obviously got traded, but he he forced his way out. And so if you're Milwaukee, you don't want to get caught holding the bag. And so you, yeah. if you have an opportunity to get oh, a bunch yeah, of assets, sure. yeah. you might take it. Yeah, yeah no I, I don't doubt it. I think Miami's the place for him because I don't think Giannis needs to be the face. I think no. he needs He's no. the guy that is the best player on the team, but he doesn't need to be the leader of the team. And we all know who the leader of that Miami Heat team is. I mean, is. look at the Anthony Davis role this year, right? We know Anthony Davis is a top five player, but he was still considered Robin to LeBron's Batman. And by all accounts, it looks like he was perfectly fine with it. Look, yeah, Bat- no Batman would be Robin to LeBron. So, like, everybody <laughs> takes a backseat to LeBron, which – I mean, credit given to LeBron, they should. But at some point, and Carlton, LeBron's your guy, man. Like, at at what point does LeBron start saying, all right, I don't have to be the guy. But I think think now that Anthony Davis has had that championship uh, experience, you know what I'm saying, Uh, LeBron's probably going to force feed him a a little bit more. Like, he's going to, you know what I'm saying, try to get him – try to get him to take over games and stuff just a little bit more. Uh, I think Richard Jefferson and um, I forget the and the other analyst's name, they were kind of hinting about it today on uh, on the jump. Was Anthony Davis ready to uh, 
get take over the keys, you know, to the team from LeBron. And they were saying that he he has the talent, but he they don't think that he's ready just yet to actually take over because only because he's not the initiator of the of the offense. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of dependent on a Rondo or LeBron to, you know, get him the ball. And um uh, with LeBron getting older, man, um, you know, he's gonna wanna not necessarily limit his minutes, but limit his usage. You know what I'm saying? As far as being a, a point, you know, things like that. And so as he ages, I can see him just basically playing solely the point and, you know what I'm saying, being more of a facilitator that he's that he's known to be. But um I think I think Anthony Davis can do it. I just think it's gonna come with just a little bit more experience. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely it's a big stage for Anthony Davis, and I'm I'm not saying that New Orleans and him being the best player on that team wasn't a big stage, but like this LA is oh yeah a different it's, level it's of a stage way different way well different. and since you brought up New Orleans, I wanted to touch on that for a second. You know, everybody talked about that trade, and let's be honest, when you look at what New Orleans has for the future, and you look at what LA got in the short term, at least for now. Both teams absolutely won the trade. There's like no doubt about it. You can you can try to pick apart who won that trade, but when you look at the future of the possibilities of New Orleans and you look at what the Lakers, I mean, just won a title. I think that trade worked out for both teams. Dude, they they the New Orleans man, they got a nice team, bro. Uh, I think Brandon Ingram being like on his own team, not being like in the shadow of LeBron, uh, I think that really helped him out a lot because Bi can put the ball in the basket, bro. I think the biggest thing with him now as far as taking that next step is going to be hitting the weight room and putting on, like, 15, 20 pounds of muscle. And, dude, he'll be like a Scottie Pimpin, like, seriously. Uh-huh. He, got, he said Scottie Pimpin, that's Daniel's he dude. Got, he got buckets, bro. He got buckets. Man, he's long, too. He's Yeah, hey, and I hey, hope look, Zion look. can wait, uh, get his weight under control, man, because he's just a super just – Stupid talented dude, man. You know what I'm saying? And I hate to see like him get hurt again, you know what I'm saying? Knock on wood, or just something catastrophic happen to him only because he can't manage his weight, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the biggest thing is we talk about New Orleans, and I know Daniel, we're not gonna dive too much in next year, but we talk about the Warriors and getting back healthy, and you look at New Orleans and Memphis and Dallas, like the West, man, they're gonna have three teams left out next year. Whew, for sure. Well, I mean, it and the the East is only going to get better. I mean, you're going to have you're going to have KD back. You're gonna John have, Wall is back. John Wall. I mean, you got now you you got Billy Donovan with Chicago, and he's cleaning house over there. Not, I don't know what they're going to do, but I mean, all these teams that finish below or had subpar years from what they normally have, like I expect them to be a little bit better. And then there's always Milwaukee and Toronto and Boston right there at the top. So. Oh, man. Let, I mean, let, me get, let me get Carlton's opinion on that, right? Because there were, we had a lot of animosity through text messages. Is, is it possible to be more talented and the better team and lose? And why I say that is I still felt like Boston was a better and more talented team. They just didn't play to what they should have against Miami. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, man. Uh, them having Kimba. Uh, versus let's look at it like this you got Kimba versus Dragic, and then you had Tatum and Brown, which are way better to me than Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. 
You know what I'm saying? So uh, now Bam might have, they might have the edge with Bam, you know, playing center. But when you have the better perimeter players, man, usually your team, you know, comes out on top. But the crazy thing about the NBA is, is, is the series, you know what I'm saying? You got to see the exact same players in a seven game series. And it comes down to basically which coach is going to run the best X's and O's. So to your point, Jim, with Boston being a more talented team, I think Brad Stevens kind of got out coached by Spolstra with Spolstra having the, uh, you know, the championship, you know, experience and edge in, in his back pocket. And that's crazy because we've we've said it before. Like we think Brad Stevens is a phenomenal coach. Yes, he is. But I, I will I will also say I thought uh, Eric Spolstra should have been at least considered for Coach of the Year. That's um, that's no just doubt. me. But well, he proved now that he can coach without LeBron, right? Because that was that was the biggest thing he needed to prove, and he yeah, just showed no it. Doubt. I think it's uh I think it's more of uh just the whole Miami's organization with Pat Riley being at the top of that thing. I think it's just their mentality. You know what I'm saying? They, the, the thing that I, I don't think a lot of people understand is, uh, is, is drafting and developing. And I don't think a lot of NBA teams are good at that. You know what I'm saying? A lot of the coaches not really good at that. Let's take Doc Rivers, for instance. You think Doc Rivers can take a team with three or two or three rookies you know what I'm saying and, and be patient with that and, and be able to coach that I don't I think that's why the Philly job was so good for him because he has uh established players that he could you know mold and kind of put in the right position to you know take the next step it's just some coaches aren't made for the you know draft and develop mentality but you know Spoelstra went through that whole process with himself you know being a coach you know, working his way up through the ranks. And uh, Pat Riley, man, being one of the best coaches ever to, you know, coach in the NBA, having that type of uh, mentorship, I think is just a, a testament to the leadership in their organization because not every organization can do it. That's a, that's a great segue out of NBA and into Major League Baseball because currently the team that's playing the best right now, the Rays, are, I mean, their developmental system, like they're taking guys you've never heard of and they're they're putting like studs on the field. I mean, we, yeah. you know, it's, and I think a lot of it comes down to, and you mentioned it with Miami, is having good ma management and ownership and people yeah. that have the same mentality. And like, for as long as I've lived in Tampa, the Rays have always been a laid back organization that players like, to play for. Um, they have good developmental systems. They treat their guys right. They don't have a, a ton of money to pay guys, but they maximize what they get out of all their players. And most of the players, unfortunately, move on to bigger and better be in, in the form of, of big money contracts. and contracts. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm excited. Like currently the Rays are up two games to nothing on the Astros um, who the Astros were the most rested team uh, coming off a sweep and, and just, you know, playing the hottest baseball. The Rays, on the other hand, are probably the better team, but they're grinding each game out. Even today, they um, got to the ninth, loaded the bases up. It took a double play and then a fly out with, you know, a run 
being scored and a couple of guys just knocking balls down for, for them to get the win. But uh, Jim, you know, I'll ask you just based on the two games that the Rays have played against the Astros, uh, what are the expectations? I mean, I think you were right. It's a great segue because the way Miami has grinded out in one game throughout these playoffs is the exact same way Tampa's doing it. Like you said, like, I mean, they're just doing it any way possible. And the fact that they won both these games without Glass now even taking the mound um, is very problematic for Houston because I feel like the way he's been pitching and, you know, knock on wood and don't want to jinx nobody, but I feel like he's he's solid to win them a game. And so in my mind, that's a third game. So it's about you, you got to take one of the other four. And uh, we talked about their bullpen coming into this 60-game season. There's just so many arms. And then, the, I mean, these guys, I mean, um, you know, I don't know half these guys like you, like you were talking about. And they're just – I mean, I'm watching today and I'm watching guys make defensive plays. I'm watching guys that, uh, you know, hardly ever watch hit home runs. And it's just – I mean, tell me – I mean, you have to tell me again, Daniel, what's the third baseman's name that's just smothering everything? Oh, that's Wendell, man. He's he's crushing it. Right, Wendell. Who's Wendell, heard of, who's heard of Wendell that doesn't watch Tampa Bay? Like, <laughs> the, but he's the, getting, he's stopping everything. The whole left side, man. And what's crazy is the Rays do a lot of like they they work off metrics and they do a lot of shifts and they play into the guys' strengths and which way they hit it. And you'll see it, man. Kevin Cash will put those guys like the whole. He'll put one guy in the outfield grass right behind second base and another guy at shortstop and another guy at third and he sometimes goes four outfielders or two outfielders and brings guys like it's unbelievable and for some reason like the guys hit the ball right to him and and call to listen this i even i even message him right because he says you know he's getting off work this game started during the day and he says you know i didn't see how they scored and i said you know Margot, if i'm saying his name right hit a three-run bomb and then I said, man, you should see this dive and catch the right fielder just made. I called him the right fielder because I didn't know who he was. It's the same damn guy who hit the three-run bomb. Have yourself a day. I don't even know who you are, but, man, shout out. Yeah, I mean, when when you look at Kevin Kiermeyer, who is the most veteran guy on the team, who, I mean, you, you may or may not have heard of him, but you're looking at guys like Arena, Lau, Kiermeyer, Adames, Zanino, Weddle, Margot, uh, G-Man Choi, Yanni Diaz, like those guys are – I mean, to compare it, Daniel, like I'm, I'm keeping up with the, the game right now in the NLCS, and I know all the players on the Braves and the Dodgers, like perspective-wise. Like, so, you know, I mean, it's just – it's that's what makes it fascinating. It's not a knock on Tampa. It's a compliment. They're doing it with guys that aren't big-time, you know, names. Yeah, and it, it, it just goes to show you that it can be done with limited resources. And I, as a person who lives here, I probably have more info thrown at me. But, like, there was talks, Carlton, of them, like, splitting a season and playing half their games in Montreal and half their games here because the, the attendance just wasn't good. Yeah. And and it's not because it's not a baseball town. It's where the stadium is located. So uh, the stadium is St. Petersburg. Yeah, which you, you've been to the St. Petersburg Bowl, haven't you? Yep. So, like – I remember the I remember the field having the diamond on it when we right. first got there. <laughs> so, like – but, like, that is about 40 minutes away from downtown Tampa, which, like, if you're – like if you ask any 
baseball stadium general manager like you want to fill your stadium up with corporate sponsors and people yeah. that work in the area that can come and catch a game when they get off work or take kind of like how uh, the Redbird Stadium is down right downtown on Bill Street. Absolutely. Because way, the way baseball makes money is people don't stay unless you're like the Yankees and the Sox and the yeah. Cubs. But like most teams aren't making money off of the fans staying for the entire game unless the product on the field is really good. What you're getting is people coming after work, staying for five or six innings, and then they're going home to eat dinner with their family and call it a night. Yeah. Um, but here there's there was talks about moving the stadium to Tampa, which would have been great, but nobody wants to – nobody in St. Pete wants to give it up. Then they decided, well, maybe we'll split the season in Montreal and just a big to-do. But the, the lease is up, um, I want to say, in – 2027 so there's about seven six seven years left on this lease that they could buy out earlier but it's going to be interesting to see what they do like this like we might be on the downside of the Rays actually having a team here in Tampa which would suck um huh. but that's why them winning at all this year would be ah. huge for yeah. No doubt. The city and just the long-term survival of them staying here. Look, let me be honest with you. We talked about this. If they win it all, after the Lightning won it all, I'm going straight to Gold Strike to put my money on the Bucks to win the Super Bowl. Because <laughs> something's in the water in Tampa. You say that. You say that. I mean, I'm dead I mean, serious. Wow. Well, I mean, I if y'all won, if y'all win two major titles with a third team – with Tom Brady just arrived, like, are you? Are we serious? Like, I'm, I'm gonna put some money on that because I, I guarantee you they still got pretty solid odds. What do you mean? You mean Andy, Andy Dalton can't beat the the Bucks? No, not not a chance. But I, I am, I am interested to see what he does. We'll, we'll get to that here, here in a little bit. But I actually, I have a little faith in Andy, not to win a Super Bowl, but to at least win the East. Well, I can't wait to hear that. So, but you mentioned the Braves and the Dodgers having the big names and, you know, I, what would be the expectations? Do we want the Dodgers? Do we want some new blood? Like, you know, Jim, like, who do we want out of that series? Well, I think we talk about the guests we have on this show and we, and over half the guests that we've had that are baseball players, maybe more are all Braves fans. Uh, all these, all these kids around here, um, you know, we, we've talked about you grow up either a Cardinals fan or a Braves fan if you're from this area. And I think for that reason, just because we know a lot, of, a lot of people, yeah, I mean, I think I want the Braves just because I know Braves fans. I bet Carlton Dude, I, wants the Dodgers. He seems like Dude, an L.A. I'm a, kind of guy. I, I, I'm a fan of Kershaw's. I've been I followed him while he was in college. But, dude, I tell you, I was the biggest Chipper Jones fan in the world, dude. I was – I was little in little league trying to switch hit and all that. <laughs> I didn't know anything about switch hitting, bro. But just because Chipper Jones did it, I was I wore number ten. I was dude. I was the biggest Chipper Jones fans. Uh, Smokes, Maddox, them them was the days. You know what I'm saying? Fred McGriff uh, and uh, was it Andrew Jones. Dude. Andrew Jones, man, those you're right. <laughs> those those John, were the days, man. I'm a I'm a huge Braves fan, man. John Smoltz went from a, a starter to a closer. Yeah. And was 
just as good, if not better. I mean, those those dudes were were rolling. I, yeah, they were squatted back then, man. Like for sure. You know, given the 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 way things went down with the Astros and I was going to ask Dodgers, you about that, Daniel. You being a baseball guy, man. Like, what was your whole take on the on the on the Astros thing? I mean, at some point, you got to draw the line on what's fair and what's not fair. Like, yeah. if if you're a player and you're able to look in at the catcher and you can steal the signs from the catcher, or you're in the dugout and you can steal signs from the coaches, like, that's one thing. That's part of the game. That's what yeah, yeah, we all yeah. teach, you know. And, yeah. like, as a pitcher, I'm not – if I'm not pitching, like, one of the things that I'm occupying my time with is – well, let me see if I can just steal the signs from the coaches or the the catcher or yeah. just see if I can help my team in any kind of way since I'm not on the field. For sure. Um, but when you when you when you go to the levels that they went to, like like that's not okay. And you know, for those guys to like I get it, it's it's a team sport and you're you're not gonna throw your guys under yeah, the bus. Yeah, 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 for sure. But once you're caught, and for those guys to go, well, I didn't know what was going on. Oh, no. Yeah, I come feel. On you. Is it I on? Mean, is it on the same? Uh, is it on the same level as uh, the Patriots with the Spygate stuff? Um, I think it's worse. So do I. Okay. I think it's okay. worse because, you know, it at least with this. I mean, you st I don't think we – we don't know how effective what the Patriots were doing yeah. were. Yeah, they okay. were a good team regardless yeah. of that. Regar yeah, yeah, I got you. I'm not so sure how good the Astros – they're a good uh, team, but okay. I'm not so sure how far they go if they don't have this edge. I got you. I mean, you're talking and, about the Yankees and the Dodgers they had to get through with that, and they were both loaded. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a, that was a hell of an I, I advantage. I see where you're coming from with it, for sure. But yeah, I mean, when you're, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I feel that's how I feel about it, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, but I do know like in this age, um, there's so many metrics and so much stats and so much yeah. video at your disposal. It's hard not to get sucked into something like that. Yeah. But, I will say, I will say this. I, you know, we talked about it a, a bunch of times, Daniel and Carlton. I don't know how you felt about it. I enjoyed seeing them get beamed for what they did, and and the Joe <laughs> Kelly, the Joe Kelly moment was was the best of the season, and and you know the facial expressions he made, like that that was the one thing, right? If if the Astros, you know, and they still can get past the Rays, obviously it's only two zero, but if the Astros were to get past the Rays, which I don't think they will, um, I would then want to see the Dodgers because. I, w I would want to see the Dodgers be able to have a chance at, at getting one back. Redemption, yeah. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I think for me, if we're talking World Series, I think it's it's a better conversation with people that I know in the area, my parents, because my parents, you know, tend to follow the Braves because it's regional. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's a better conversation and better talks that I can have with with my circle of people if the Braves win and play the Rays than it would be if the Dodgers won and play the Rays but I would I personally if the Rays move forward I would like to see them play the Dodgers because I would want to see them beat every one of the highest payrolls in baseball with one yeah. of them 
lowest payrolls in baseball. Daniel, was that, that would be a great story? Was what CBS Sports released true about? Like I heard some people say that wasn't true, but I feel like CBS wouldn't have released it about uh, Cole making thirteen point three million this year, and the starting lineup for the Rays did not even make thirteen point three. Is that true? Man, don't get I me. I feel like it could be true but, because I saw, I did pull up the – I sent it to you. I did pull up the actual full payroll for the entire raise, and the fact that it was only like $27 million made me feel like it was really believable. But without getting too political, like you see how how sad this is that we can't even – like we don't even know what to believe and what, what oh, to man. believe and what not to believe anymore. Like <laughs> – like so, yeah, to answer sure. your question, man, I I don't know. Like I I agree with you. I don't think CBS would put something not reputable out there. But then again, like uh, there's but plenty I, but of I did just have a thought on the Dodgers thing. You know, I said the Tampa thing. If the Dodgers were to win the the championship after the Lakers just did, then I think I would have to go bet on the Rams. Right? Like it's the LA thing. Now now I'm just getting crazy. No, nah, you're silly. You're just hey, they're four and they're four and one, man. <laughs> uh, hey hey and you know what we're gonna get to it but i want to go ahead and bring it up because i thought about it earlier i didn't say nothing to you i just want to point out that i picked the rams as my sleeper team to get in and randy picked the falcons who ha- are winless so the team i picked is four and one what about that new stadium they got jim I that's what's up uh, but I, you know the thing is here's the thing Carter. uh you know after i left memphis i was i went to the navy and i was stationed in san diego and I went to Chargers games, and, man, yeah, they had trouble filling it out, but there was a lot of loyal fans, and Qualcomm yeah. Stadium was fun to go to and tailgate at, and so I hate it for those people that lost their team. Like, I could only imagine as a fan of any of my teams if they just left. Yeah, sure. It's kind of how uh, some of, some guys that I know that are from, like, the St. Louis area felt when the Rams left. Yeah, I mean, I just couldn't imagine losing your team. That's That sucks. It ain't better than that Raiders stadium, though. Oh, my Spaceship. God, dude. I, I can't wait to go. I, I literally can't wait to go. You know, hey, Daniel. Uh, I bet we're going to have some hot wings there, huh? <laughs> since we got <laughs> Carlton on, <laughs> hey, since we got Carlton on, back before, back before the pandemic started, and remember we were talking about games, and I told you I was going to go to Vegas to go to that game, and, I was, and then I looked at ticket prices. You remember that? And I told you because it was the first game in Vegas and because it was Monday Night Football, I told you I couldn't find – and you looked it up, I think, uh, on StubHub. I remember the cheapest one we could find was – $800. Right. So I was like, never mind, I ain't going. Yeah, I I feel you. My wife was actually trying – she told me after the fact, but she was trying to – she was trying to give me tickets uh, like around her – around her birthday, like around our anniversary. She was trying to give me tickets – this summer while they were kind of before the season got started and she was like uh but with my schedule working on the railroad you know what i'm saying i'll work a week i'm off a week and stuff like that and uh she she was like man they are getting like more expensive and expensive by the day and once they got to like the prices jim was talking about she was like nah i think you're gonna have to do something else yeah, so. yeah. hey bro you don't you don't got married the sa- around the same time that your aunt or, that your wife's birthday is ooh that's uh that's yeah a not, rough, it's not too that's a rough month. Yeah, it's not too far away uh our anniversary is July 26th and her birthday is uh her birthday is on uh, it's actually on Thanksgiving this year oh wow 
Yeah. Hey, Daniel, I mean, at least he didn't have his kids in the month of you and your wife's birthday. I mean, me and my wife's birthday is in June. <laughs> Both our kids are in June. So, I, I mean, my birthday don't even get celebrated anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, Jim's lucky if he has a, a place to sit. I know, right? So, let's pop, let's, pop a let's wrap there. I know, right? Let, let's wrap up Major League Baseball. Carlton, World Series champ. Dodgers, Braves, Rays, or Astros? Ah, man, it's hard to pick against the Braves, but uh, I, I think it's going to be between uh, them and the Rays, man. Uh, the Rays been playing a freaking lights out. Uh, but I will say that the Braves have had, like, what, like like four shutouts yeah. the last few games? Like they got the MVP. I mean, Freddie Freeman's got the homer in this game already. Yeah, so I mean, uh, of course, I'm always going to be pulling for the Braves. Uh, I've been a, since a kid. I've been a Braves fan, but man, it is hard to ignore what Tampa Bay is doing. Man, seriously. Yeah. Jim, who you got? Man, we've been saying Tampa since the season started. We, I ain't changing now. While they up two zero. That's right. Uh, some months ago, we did a, a episode where we did predictions, and I predicted the Rays, and I'm gonna s- strongly stand by my prediction and still go Rays. So. And you convinced, and that was the thing. I went along with you for the ride. You, everything you talked about about how that they they build their system and they and they develop their talent. You told me all that then. You told me they had the arms in the in the bullpen, and I mean. No, you know, you, you look like you know everything you, you need to know about baseball because you seem 100% right right now. Well, hopefully they keep proving me right. They got Yarbrough on the mound, who's a lefty three-quarter guy for tomorrow. Like, he's probably my favorite guy to watch because you can tell, like, he was a guy who was just given an opportunity, and he's probably – he doesn't throw like the other starters do. He just – keeps the ball down he mixes it up he's got good movement on everything and he's just a quirky guy and he gets out so I I like watching him throw and I'm excited for the game tomorrow Uh, so I got raised you know go raise Um, but moving into college football and I know Jim that this is going to be a a sore subject for you so I'm, (laughs) I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you lead this off and I want you to 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 take us through LSU. So here's what I need to know. I need to know what's the problem, how do they fix it, and is it too late? All right. So the first problem, the obvious problem, 14 players drafted, four starters opted out this year. You only have two starters Ah. returning on defense. You lost your offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. But all that said, with that to be replaced, losing to Missouri is unacceptable. And – Here's That's the thing. Tough, bro. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, right? So everybody was worried about Miles Brennan in that offense. They're putting up stats. Terrace Marshall, you know, I'm sure Carlton man loves dude. Like, I mean, he's he's got seven touchdowns in the first. Yeah, he's gonna be a he's a first rounder for sure, Jim. Yeah, so I mean, he's doing that without Chase on the opposite side. So I mean, it you you thought the offense was gonna be the problem, and it turns out it's the defense, which is typically not LSU, and and. You know, you can point fingers everywhere. I mean, Dave Aranda's not there, so you got Bo Pelini. But I want to highlight something because I gave Jacoby Stevens all the hype in the world. 
And I'm not the only one, clearly, because they gave him the number seven. And when you wear yeah. the number seven at LSU, you're supposed to represent. And when I'm watching a dude give up, like literally give up on plays and watch dudes score, and it wasn't like it was one play. I was watching all game. Like, that's that's beyond disappointing. And that's where you have to start looking at coaching, right? Because when you talk about professional athletes, you're getting paid. Like, you should be inspired enough to play. But when you're talking about college, one of the things about Coach O is he's supposed to be a leader of these dudes. And the fact that them dudes were giving up and they were on the sideline just hanging their heads and nobody, I'm watching, nobody is doing anything. They're just – I mean, I get it. We went 15-0. It was nice to not lose for a year and a half. And, and, you know, this year is what it is. But, man, have some pride about yourself. And one more thing while I'm getting on everybody, I want to get on the fan base. Like, you know, we talk about social media. Man, LSU fans are disgusting. You just went through the best ride, the best ride in college football history. Oh, yeah. I and, get it. And, and, the, and the, hey, and Carlton, man, the LSU players, ex-LSU players, the alumni – are, I mean, they are, they're pissed. They're like, man, you know, you just went through that and, and you're all of a sudden dogging these kids. And like, yeah. they're like, we're with LSU through hell and back. And so yeah. it's, it's disappointing, man. And so everything about it's disappointing and, and more so, Daniel, you know, I hate Florida more than any team in the country. And we got them next week and they're coming off, uh, you know, the A&M loss and they're going to be licking their chops and we got to go to their house. Like, I just, man, it's it's not good, and I don't know how many wins we can even squeak out. Like, it's where you see Ole Miss putting up points against Alabama, and we have a horrible defense. Like, like I'm trying to – and then Arkansas even looks good. I'm trying to figure out where our Ws are coming. So, to answer your questions, everything on defense is a problem. Coaches are a problem. Fans are the problem. Can they fix it? Possibly. I don't think so. This is going to be rough, and this is the price you pay for last year. Well, I, I'll tell you this, Jim, so that you this might – take this for what it's worth. So, in 2018, Memphis played Missouri and got their doors blown off of them. And then the very next year, they had the best season they ever had. <laughs> so, there's your silver lining. And that's, uh, our, that's our segue to – Hey, hey, I, I want to say this before you transition <laughs> off. No, 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 not about the silver lining. I told you I was good with this. If they went two and eight after what we just went through, you know, I'm good with it, man. That was the most fun I ever had. Yeah, I mean, there's – there's, hey, they're – the worst thing about winning it all – The expectations that, for the next year. And it, it's it's so hard to do again. Yeah. Unless I mean, you're Alabama or Clemson. <laughs> well, I mean, I said it this weekend. I said – and I, I said it prematurely, and we saw what happened to, to Bama. I, I said, you know, is Texas A&M good, or does that just show us how dominant Alabama really is in the SEC? Because they beat the hell out of Texas A&M and made them look bad. And then Florida, yeah. who's supposed to be, you know, arguably one of the, the best outside of Alabama in the SEC, just – they got beat. I mean, flat out, yeah. you know. But you know, we're we're gonna break down the conferences here in a minute. But I, I want to get to our team, Carlton, and I mentioned it to Jim. Like, you know, Memphis had one of the had their best season ever last year, and they came off of a loss to SMU after 
28 days of not playing. I, I, I'm just curious, what, what's your thoughts on all that and, and where they stand and, and like, what, as uh, a former player, like, what is it like to go through that? Cause I know Jim's talking about the LSU fan base and, and I know Memphis is just as bad. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a letdown to see after the, uh, what was it, like the opening week against Arkansas State and they got that W. Uh, for them to lose their confidence and do the whole party bus thing, not necessarily, not their confidence, I mean, their focus, basically. Um, you know, it kind of fall back on coaching, to be honest with you. Uh, I think that, uh, I think the new coach is a good dude, you know what I'm saying? I think that the players like him and all that, but I think there comes a time, especially a time like this with the whole COVID thing, you're trying to manage, uh, you know, like 50 some guys. And I think that's what's happening with the NFL right now is uh, the whole, like, like you were saying earlier, Daniel, with the NBA having the no cases in the bubble and, you know what I'm saying? The controlled environment and how well, how good of a job they did getting through that season. Um, I think it's just hard with football, man. Uh, you know, because just the sheer amount of players that you have, on your team, um, it, it was it was it was heartbreaking to see how they lost focus after that Arkansas State game, doing the whole party bus thing, and um, having the outbreak now is probably going to impact them on the rest of this season. Um, and you would you would think guys like Brady and you know what I'm saying some other you know uh, older guys on the team would you know try to step up and and try to keep keep people on the right page, uh, you know what I'm saying, do things to keep everybody together. But uh, I just – I don't know, man. After that loss to SMU, uh, I think they played good for being off for 28 days. But uh, it just we, – we, we've been having these problems stopping people, bro. Like um, in the Penn State game, we had all the momentum and we fumbled and then they just went on a tear. You know what I'm saying? We were, me and my wife were actually at that game. And uh, it's 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 never been an offensive issue. It's always been on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, until we can step up and get off the field on third down and consistently get stops when we need them, I think we're going to be in trouble, bro, as much as I hate to say it. Yeah, I mean, it, you're right. It's not anything new. If you've been watching Memphis football, the defense, you know, despite what some of the stats say, like we have a tough time stopping people. Um, and the offense, I mean, now is, is not as bad, but they still move fast. And yep. if the offense has two series where they stall and go three and out, like the defense is back on the field within like a minute. And it's like – Pretty that, rough. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's the downside to being a, a – a, Fast-paced a, a, offense. Yeah, and you're, you're looking to pass first. And believe it or not, like with the rushing game that – guys that we've had like we've done like I feel as though like yes we've we do have good rushers but I think those good rushers are good because we're such a threat on the outside yeah the no doubt no doubt um but you know I, I'll say this I think wins you know erase a lot so I think if they beat UCF which I can't stand UCF like if there's ever Ooh. a team in our conference that we have to beat it's them I never uh, beat them, Daniel. I never beat them. them I never beat them. 
motherfuckers. I, I can't stand Josh Hyde. Daniel didn't need I, any more ammunition. I look at that guy, and that guy just aggravates the shit out of me. Like, he's like... Oh. I never beat the motherfucker, dude. Ever since they first joined Conference USA, dude, they gave us fucking hell every time. And I remember the first time we went down there to Orlando, and uh, we got off the plane, bro, and it was just like you were being, like, choked or gagged. It was so humid. Uh, I was sweating like I had played a full game after pregame warm-ups. And it was just a totally different environment, dude. And they kicked our ass. Try living down here, man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'm about, I don't know, I'm about 50 minutes away from UCF's campus and where where they play. So anytime the Tigers are in Orlando, Michelle and I, we go um, anytime they're at USF, we're going. Um, Anytime that they're even, I mean, shit, like you said, you were in Dallas. We went to Dallas for the Cotton Bowl. Um, We try to catch them as much as we can. But, uh, you know, I'm interested to see how they bounce back from a loss. And then, you know, I was hoping that I wish they would have played this past weekend and just rolled. Right yeah, from kept, the loss. Kept the momentum going. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no doubt. But, you know, it's interesting to see what Ryan Silverfield is going to do with the team and get them going. Like, I, yeah. So, hopefully, you know, we come away with a win. It's going to be a big game. And, you know, regardless of whatever happens, you know, we, we've we been blessed over the past few years to get some oh, yeah, for sure. great Tiger football. For sure. And I think we got the right guy in there that's going to continue that. It's just – you know, it's like LSU when you win it all, or in Memphis's case, when you win the conference. A, yeah, yeah it, you, there's only one way to go. So go to a New Year's Six. I mean, yeah, yeah, and and it's gonna be tough. The expectations but, just go up and up from there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So let's let's break down some of these conferences. Just looking at last week's games, we'll start with the ACC. And Jim, I, I'll I'll start with you on this because. One of your locks this week was Virginia Tech to beat North Carolina. Okay. That's that I need to immediately I need to immediately defend myself though on the Fighting Fuentes. I didn't know that they had 15 players out because of COVID. That would have been something Man. that I should have researched before making that my lock pick. Yeah, yeah, that. And so for for that reason, you know, Carl was just talking about this year in general in football and how it's hard. I can't. I can't tell you if North Carolina is definitively a better team now that I know that and then I've seen that because, I mean, 15 players is 15 players. Um, you know, they didn't exact they, – they listed their positions, but they didn't say how many of them were starters. Um, I would have actually liked to have known that, but, I mean, that's meaningful. Yeah, that's I mean, a lot, dude. That's a lot on a pick, football team, bro. Yeah, if you're making a pick, like 15 guys, even 15 practice guys can make yeah, a Yeah, I mean, that, that's – 15 guys that could make that could make some dudes have to potentially go both ways Jim. you know what i'm saying yeah so i mean i didn't know that that's my bad on that pick the thing about our picks Carson, like we could pick the obvious ones we've talked about that we pick games like that we feel like are going to be tough to pick so yeah yeah i got you uh, I, I went ahead you know and that was a memphis connection we we root for fuente obviously to to be successful so we went ahead or i went ahead and picked that one but North I was Carolina thinking, could be good. I mean, I don't know. 
I think uh, Mac Brown, man, has been a, a, a change in culture for North Carolina because they were uh, they went through I think what about about three or four coaches the last few years. Yeah, and well, ever since he's been there, man, they they kind of took a you know took a took a turn for the better. Well, we we've talked about this in regards to Memphis uh, before, and I feel the same way for North Carolina. You like to see schools be able to compete in basketball and football, right? Like not oh, yeah. just being one oh, sport. Yeah. And so I think that's good for North Carolina and their school. And I, I mean, I wish I wish that for all schools. Like I mean, it just makes conferences better. Yeah, because the ACC needs it, man. Well, everybody knows every year Clemson's probably going to win the ACC. So if if any conference outside of the Big Ten and the SEC needs, you know what I'm saying, to be a little bit more competitive, it's it's the ACC for sure. Daniel, go ahead and hey, I'm a, I'm going to take to the next team. I'm taking your host spot. I need you to defend Florida State. <laughs> Hold on, like bef- before we get there, like go go back to North Carolina. Them fools, they don't even play Clemson this year. Damn. No. And I, I'm, looking, I'm just looking at Clemson's schedule. That Clemson's schedule is cake. They got Georgia Ooh, Tech, followed by Syracuse, followed by oh, Boston College. God. Then they got Notre, Notre Dame the first weekend in November. They got Florida State, Pittsburgh, which is – wants to play when they want to and then they got Virginia Tech like but with that if North they've Carolina, already played they've well already Penso, played Wake yeah. Forest which is fucking but if North Carolina stays the course they'll meet each other garbage. in the championship game yeah, well I mean you would hope hopefully they they both went out because that's yeah. what you want to see you want to see Clemson take on the yeah, best that sure. they have and because Carolina almost beat them last year, didn't they? I think it was like a, a one or two point game, or like a last possession game. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to look it up. I think that might be, you might be right, and that might be like why there was so much hype around Mac Brown and North Carolina yeah. this year is because they had such a good game. And but any, anyhow, like you wanted to talk Florida state. Let's talk Florida state. You said they were going to be good again, not this year, but in a few years, as of right now, I just feel like they'll never be good again. So I need you to defend them. So is there any reason to believe that Mike Norvell can't get the offense going? I mean, he should be able to get them going, but I mean, and they did put up some points against Notre Dame. But I, I take this year out of it because, I mean, he he's – the chips are, are stacked and the deck's stacked against him for this year. But think about his time and every school that he's been at. He's always been a guy who can score points. That has never been an issue. So now you're telling me all he has to do is recruit, which is going to inevitably begin to be a lot tougher. Yeah. But – if he gets guys like the guys, the guy's proven he can win and he's creative and his offensive schemes will score points. I I think it's just a matter of time. Like it, it, it's not something that you snap your fingers and this year they're going to be competitive because they've looked very ugly this year. But I think a lot of it is they don't have a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, they got Blackman who essentially seems like he's been there as long as Brady, Brady white. Um, but, like, I, 
it's apparent that he's not the guy. So, like, they don't have the key part of the offense that you need to score points. And until they have that piece, they're going to they're gonna be struggling. But I, I, I don't follow Florida State enough to be able to tell you who they have coming in. But I do believe in Norvell as an offensive-minded coach. And I believe if you score enough points, just ask Alabama this week. The defense is irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I hope they they do well. Like you know, Claus was saying, you want the ACC to get better, and because we do like Norvell, you do want to see him succeed. So, I mean, I don't want it to happen, but I just, I mean, when we were growing up, Florida State was such a historic program, and now it's just man, they suck. Like, and then the the one year that they were going to be good, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the quarterback who got hammered by Alabama and hurt. Um, and then it all just has been south since then. What, what was the name of that quarterback like four years ago? Uh, you're talking about the kid that transferred and went to Howard. Francois? Man, his name. Yeah, Francois, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Florida State was supposed to be good this year, and that kid was good, and then Alabama decided they were going to tear him a new one. Well, well yeah, ever since, uh, ever since Jimbo left, man, it's kind of been, you know what I'm saying, mediocre to below average. Yeah, it – they they got a lot of work to do, and it's still – I mean, it's still Clemson's conference. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. And, and watching them, like I even – we did picks this past week, and I picked Miami to beat Clemson. Um, and it, it's, it's very, very, very clear that nobody yet has proven that they're on the level of Clemson. And, you know, Etienne is probably – He's unbelievable. He's yeah, he's he's a beast. Just you know, his cuts and getting to the outside and just like how fast that guy is. Like I don't know what his projection is at the next level, but I do know like when he gets to top speed, like he is tough, tough, tough to tackle and he's tough to catch and tough to bring down. He's a X factor for them. And then you throw Trevor Lawrence in there with them and it's like, well, like good luck. Um and then we, we look at their schedule remaining and Notre Dame, and I've never been sold on Notre Dame, so that's their toughest game. Not so, since Rudy played there. Yeah, I mean, and even a, according to Joe Montana, Rudy was a was a punk. Yeah, Joe Montana's a punk <laughs> for ruining that story for me. So, anyhow, so, uh, we, you know, we'll, we'll talk some Big 12, which, I mean, if you want to talk about a bad conference, I mean, that's – that's one when I was State no defense is being played. Iowa State's your best team, and no, Oklahoma State's still undefeated. They didn't play this week. We want to count them. I mean, they're undefeated in the top ten right now. So right now, you said as their best team. I mean, they're holding ranks right now. The other teams all got two losses apiece for the most part. I mean, I I don't I like Oklahoma State. But I don't believe in Oklahoma State, nor do I believe in Iowa State, because both of those teams do the same thing. They play well, and they, but then they lose a game or two at the end of the season that they shouldn't. Um, you know, Oklahoma beats Texas, and where the defense, I think, didn't even get off the bus. Uh, <laughs> you know, I will say that – that game brought one of the best memes of the year so far. I mean the the girl with the middle middle finger. That's that's pretty. <laughs> that's legit. 
Look, she went from a confused, like, I read the tweet on it. She went from a confused fan to knowing exactly what was going on. Oh, yeah, she she showed her displeasure. And, I mean, is there anything to really talk about between Oklahoma and Texas right now other than what people are saying that Oklahoma isn't the same team and Texas needs to fire Tom Herman? Man, he's been a big disappointment. I, I thought for sure that he was going to be one of the uh, guys that kind of get Texas going back again. I mean, as far as the hires, like, uh, you know, you would think a guy from the area, knows yeah. the area, yeah. had success at a at a school in the in the state, should be able to tra- take what he does at Houston and move it over to Texas. But I mean, it's. I mean, are we jumping the gun? Does he need more time? Is that it? I and mean, Texas maybe. Texas being Texas and not being patient and wanting to yeah. win right now? Yeah, they definitely uh, – that, that fan base definitely is, uh, you know, used to winning. And, like, when we were when we were in school, you know, Texas, man, in the um, Vince Young days and all mm-hmm. them cats that came through there, you know what I'm saying? They were just known, you know, known powerhouse nationally. and. Uh, See them kind of going to decline like that was kind of, it's kind of interesting. I, mean, I think they I, fall, I, I, they fall into that Florida State thing, don't they, Carlton? Like, I mean, yeah, team, I, there was a I lot of teams with, when we were growing with, up that were great. Yeah, with teams like teams like Florida State and Texas not being as good, it kind of sucks for college football. To be honest with you. Yeah, I mean those rivalries, those Florida State, Florida, Florida State, Miami. They're they're not oh, the USD same. in the mix is a yeah. team that hasn't been good in years. I mean, and as Texas, much as I hate Orange to see, you know, Tennessee, I mean, they're pretty decent this year, but the last few years, they've been fucking atrocious. Yeah. And I even – I thought they they played okay enough in the first half this week, and we'll, we'll get to that game. But, you know, it's it's a you, – you look at it and you see, like, the level of – where Georgia's at and then where Tennessee is at. And they're just not quite there yet. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like uh, – It's it like showed at, in that game this past weekend, like yeah. you were just saying, though, Dan. Yeah, it, it's like looking at Iowa State and Oklahoma State right now in the Big 12. We don't know if they're there yet. But maybe they don't have to be there yet because the their two biggest contenders aren't very good. Yeah, so, yeah no doubt. Um, you know, moving into the SEC, we, we, we look at Bama. They survive Ole Miss. And, Jim, I'll ask you, man, is this – was this a weakness in Bama or was this just the fact that Lane Kiffin knows Alabama? I think this is Lane Kiffin knows yeah, Alabama. Sure. I mean, they – you know, and they weren't, they weren't gashing Alabama like Alabama was them. Yeah, they were getting big plays, but not at the rate Alabama was – but they, they were moving up the field like he had a game plan and he effectively was, um, you know, playing it out. I'll tell you this, Daniel, the kid Ely, the running back, I thought you would have found this fascinating. They kept talking about how he was actually a baseball player. He's a center fielder and baseball is his sport. But then I'm watching this kid like just gash Bama. I'm like, that kid's a football player. Convince me otherwise. Yeah, they definitely. Uh, uh, I, th- I think Lane, it was a case – of just Lane knowing, you know what I'm saying, how uh, how Saban likes to run his defenses and everything, you know what I'm saying? Uh, 
going against the defense like every day, being a coordinator, being an offensive coordinator and stuff like that, you absolutely have an advantage when you play, you know what I'm saying, a team like that that you, was, you know, was once a part of, especially because they've been, you know, they got the same coaches in place. So, of course, he's going he's gonna to recruit his defensive players, you know, the same exact way. And he may not necessarily line up the exact same way against you, but you know his overall scheme. So I, I think he knew exactly how to attack them. Yeah, I mean, as much as I would like to say that I think Bama has a weakness, they don't. I think it's a matter of Lane Kiffin just being in that system and knowing those coaches. And, yeah. you know, he he's quirky and he's a guy that probably feeds on the fact that he has – a little bit of extra intel on Bama that other people don't. Yeah. But I, I will say this. I, I thought it was fitting that Nick Saban did gave zero credit to Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss and just said, you know, it was like they had our, our signals. <laughs> so. Hey, and Lane Kiffin fired back. Hey, I like it. Lane Kiffin, you is not afraid to, to speak out. Yeah, he – I mean, on college game day, they had a they had a really good interview with him, and, like, he was just talking, like, how – he was given, like, the dirty about what it's like to coach or with Nick Saban and, yeah. like, how he's the, the dad and you're the kid and, like, you get chastised for – Yeah, yeah. You know, so it, it was pretty funny. He didn't hold any punches back. Um so I, I secretly think they probably hate each other's guts, yeah, but they're yeah, professional sure. enough to not put it all out there. Yeah, I will um, say this, though, because I watched every minute of that game. I never questioned if Alabama was going to win because, like I said, while Ole Miss was scoring, they weren't scoring the way Alabama was. I mean, there was never any kind of indication that Ole Miss was ever going to stop Alabama. Look at Taysom Hill. I hate to cut into our podcast. I got to. <laughs> Sorry to anybody listening, but I'm watching the Saints live, and Taysom Hill's been a bum till then. All right, moving on. Anyway, no, uh, Alabama was a, ma- a machine. Did you wa- did you watch that, Carlson? The the yeah, Alabama I, game. I, yeah, it was. Uh, I was switching between back and forth between that and. Uh, I mean, were they not? Uh, I mean, they Miami were gashing the hell out of them, whether run or pass. Right? Did you ever think that they were going to stop scoring? Nah, man. I, it was it was just so easy for Bama to score. You know what I'm saying? Every time it it may have been like maybe like five and six play drives versus old misses, you know, ten to twelve. You know what I'm saying? And that kind of is it, not in your favor uh, when the other when you can't really slow the other team down, even though you're keeping up because it's taking you longer to get more you know points back on the board. So usually when when the um, when you can't stop the other team in the same time of fashion that you can score, it's probably gonna be a long night for you. Oh yeah. So Texas A and M beats Florida. Jimbo Fisher gets his first big win at Texas A and M. Is this a uh, a sign of things to come for Texas A&M, a sign of things to come for Florida, or was Florida caught off guard, Jim, or did they – or 
Or is Texas A&M just that Part of good? me wants to say Texas A&M finally did what they were supposed to do, right? Kellen Mond was supposed to be a beast like this. This was his best game at Texas A&M. Everybody talks about his Jimbo Fisher signature win. Yeah. But it's Kellen Mond's signature win. Um, he finally played up to the expectation level. Florida hadn't played good defense all year either, though, so you got to take that into account. But I'm really disappointed. As much as I hate Florida, I thought Florida was going to be Alabama's biggest, you know, challenge. And they still – could be down the road or it could be Georgia. But um, I expected Florida to win that game. I told you, like, you know, the line was was six points, I think I told you. And I said, if I was to go down and bet on that or bet on a game, I'd, I'd actually pick that one and I would have lost my money. Yeah. And Carlton, you mentioned Tennessee. You know, they, they got beat up in the second half against Georgia. Was it is – it, is Tennessee – still have work to do or are they just on the brink of, of, of being something special or is Georgia just they're just solidifying the fact that they're in the top of the SEC I think uh I think ten, I think Pruitt has Tennessee trending in the right direction but I still think they have a ways to go to try to compete with the Georgias and the Floridas of the world uh I just think there is it's not uh, as big of a talent gap as, as it has been in the last few years. But, man, when you talk about pass rushers and getting to the quarterback, Georgia's just on another level, bro. And they breed uh, good corners and linebackers also. So, um, I guess it's just Kirby coming from that Nick Saban, you know what I'm saying, tree and uh, putting together, like, some hell of a hell of five defenses and being able to run the football to control the – you know, time of possession in games. Yeah, well, we're going to find out this week because Georgia and Alabama are going to play. Oh, yeah. Other, and, so I'll say, and I'll say this. You know, there was a lot of jokes about Stetson Bennett. You know, they talked about he sounded, his name sounded like he was a kid that his parents paid for him to be able to, to be on the team. That dude was dealing against Tennessee. I, I'll tell you that. Well, his name does sound like his parents paid for him to be on the team. <laughs> So, yeah, that that game that game between Georgia and Bama should be what uh what my what my what my man my man Jr. used to call a slobber knocker. Oh yeah, Jr. He's he's gonna be sitting back. He's not a, he's not happy right now because his his Sooners are sucking. But yeah, <laughs> hey guys, you know I gave you the Saints update. Let me go ahead and drop another update because this is important. So Carlton, I was talking about a lot of our gate uh, guests are Braves fans anyway. Uh, a couple of them are actually family members to one Austin Riley, who just put the Braves up two to one in the ninth inning. Huh. Look at look at Austin Riley. We gotta get him on the on the show. So, Jim and Carlton, sit back for this because I'm gonna let Jim do something that I don't typically let him do because right. <laughs> he. He likes to – the guys wearing black and white, he likes to be on them a lot for everything. But the Arkansas-Auburn game, I'm, I'm going to let you have it, Jim. I need you to tell everybody what happened and then, and then just unleash the fury. You got two minutes. I'm just going to let you just, just let it all out. All right. So whether we're going back to the Rams-Saints game or any other game where I've had a problem with the refs, People will tell you that teams had a chance to win it otherwise. They shouldn't let it come down to the refs making a bad call. Uh, they never changed the outcomes of the game. If Randy was here, he would argue it with me as well. But I don't care. When refs 
blow it, they blow it. And they seem to find a way sometimes to blow it in the worst possible moment. And with Arkansas-Auburn, that was clearly a backward pass. That was clearly a fumble, and that should have been game time. Arkansas should have a two-game winning streak, but they don't because the refs don't know. And then the SEC pissed me off even worse by trying to defend their guys and say <laughs> that because whistleblown, blah, blah, blah. Dude, no, they botched it. Call it what it is. Do at least like the NFL did and came back after the Saints game and said that they blew it. Just tell us what it was. They blew it. It is. I think it's funny, though, the explanation they gave is that they didn't immediately recover the fumble, so they didn't call it that way, which they were blowing it dead immediately, so why would anybody go after it to try to recover it immediately? It's so it's so stupid, but... I mean, yeah. I don't I don't understand in football the blowing the whistle early because, you know, not we're not transitioning to NFL. I'm just bringing up last night's game. K.J. Wright, they blew the whistle early for no reason. K.J. Wright returned a touchdown uh, for the Seattle, but then they only got the ball at the spot of the fumble because they blew the whistle early in real time, and that drives me nuts. I, I'll never understand that. I mean, when it, when it comes to player safety, I get the whole blowing the whistle early, but they're – there's sometimes that you need to just let it roll. That was definitely one that you need to let it roll. And then you can evaluate it after the fact. But anytime you blow the whistle too early, people are trained to stop. Yeah. And I think it bothers me more, Daniel. Uh, you know, how we you just talked about how I get on the refs in general. But Arkansas, man, has just been in the dumps for a long time. And they were going to have a – they would have a winning streak, man. Those, for, for those fans and those players, like, that'd be a big deal, like, to win two. They went 20 SEC games without winning. To win two in a row, you kidding me? Well, selfishly, I told you, like, as a Memphis fan, you schedule these SEC games, like, in advance in hopes that these teams will be good when you play them. Like, I want – knowing that we play Arkansas, like, I, I want them to be good. Like, I don't want them to be, you know, just some slack-ass team. I would love to play them, and it means something. But, you know, it, at this point, they're, you know, it sucks for them. But at the end of the day, they're not Alabama, so it probably doesn't matter too much. <laughs> so, picks. Carlton, so every – now that college football back is back, every week we, we've had a pick. And so far, our record is pretty abysmal. Jim is sitting at one and two, and I'm sitting at one and two. Um, so, Jim, I'll, I'll start with you, man. Like, who you got? All right, pulling up the slate now. You know, as, Carlton, as I'm looking at looking this up, you know, we don't go with the automatic lock. We get we got to get a little risky. It's, you know, it goes back to like week one. Daniel was like, I could just take Alabama. I'm telling you that Coastal Carolina, that Louisiana game, both teams three and zero. The ESPN 7:30 primetime game. Like you, you think I'm joking? I'm not. Like that's gonna be a, a that's gonna be a solid game. You know what? Though I joke about that, but. I mean, I guess it's number one against what is Georgia three. I do want to take Bama because I think I think Bama's going to come back and solidify how good a team they are. So I actually am, you know, I joke on that, but I want to pick that because I, I know Georgia just beat Tennessee as a big game and everything, but I still think Alabama is, you know, head and shoulders 
above I think the rest. With, I think with that game, it's it's uh, probably going to come down to the quarterback play. And uh, I would give the edge to Bama because they have Mac, you know, and he's got the more ex- he's got the most experienced of quarterbacks, you know, out of jo- uh, them in Georgia. So uh, I just think with you know being in the type of environment, the SEC, you know, what I'm saying, and it's a big game, and number one versus number three. I think that Mac has been there, he's seen it, he's played in it, and I think that just gives. Uh, Bama the slight edge that they need to win that ball game. Yeah, and the thing about it is, looking at it, I mean, that's the only uh, top twenty-five matchup, Daniel. That I know. There's no other. There's no other two teams playing each other. Right? I mean, unless I want to go with LSU beating Florida. No, I would go with Florida beating LSU if you're where we're going with locks. I mean, I'm just calling it what it is. I hate to say that. I know, but the the fun the fun part of the fun in this is like picking a team that you think can win but isn't the favorite to win. But, I mean, I feel like for for argument's sake, I'm going to go Georgia over Alabama so that um, so that we can have some good text threads going on. So I'll, I'll bite the bullet, and I'm going to take Georgia um, over Bama. Wow, that's a – all right, man. You should have took Florida State over North Carolina after all that uh, burying of Florida State we did. Yeah, or Mississippi State beating Texas A&M. Hey, that's one team we didn't talk about. And, I mean, look, they they crowned Mike Leach and his offense, right, the air raid after what they did to LSU, and then they couldn't even score on Kentucky. That was embarrassing. And that right there is why I'm not – going anywhere near LSU and Florida. <laughs> so, so Carlton, if, if if you had to pick a game on the the top 25 teams, who would you pick as your lock? Uh, as my lock, uh, let me see. So, I'll, I'll give you the rundown. Right you got Coastal Carolina, Louisiana. You got SMU and Tulane, BYU, Gosh. Houston. Clemson and Georgia Tech, Cincinnati, Tulsa, Pittsburgh, Miami, Auburn, South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, Louisville, Notre Dame, LSU, Florida, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, North Carolina, Florida State, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Georgia, Alabama, and Boston College, Virginia Tech. Or he could take Memphis over UCF. You could. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's always an option. Oh, the lock pick. Let's see. That uh, that Louisiana Coastal Carolina game does sound pretty. Uh, hey, it sounds like it's. It sounds me, like it's gonna be a pretty. Let good me game. tell you though, Carlson. Yeah. Louisiana, Louisiana is. You know, I found myself rooting for them as some other people I know that are LSU fans. But these dudes been barking on Twitter, bashing LSU, talking about oh, they're the best state or they're the best team in the uh, state. And yeah. it's like, man, come yeah. on, come back to earth. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, y'all having a good season, bro. Just, you know what I'm saying? Just keep it at that. You know what I'm saying? They, they, beat, <laughs> I, they beat Iowa State, who's ranked. Yeah, I saw that game early. 23rd. But they had – it took overtime to beat Georgia State, and they beat – Georgia Southern by two points. So, I mean, uh, 
how good the, how good are they? I have yeah, no idea. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I'll be honest. I think I if it were me, I think I would pick Houston over BYU. Houston over BYU. Uh, where's the game? Huh? Man, that'd be a huge win for Houston. Uh, we'll we'll say, say, uh, you, know, you hope some of these games end up, I mean, like we said, because there's not many big matchups. You want to see something good. I'm going to go out on a limb and say LSU bounces back against Florida, bro. Oh, whoa, whoa. Dad, golly. He just, he's just trying to make you feel good, Jim. <laughs> I, you know what, man? Whatever it takes right now. I just feel I'm, like – I feel like a coach old man is uh I can only imagine what those practices have been like. You know what I'm saying? The last, the last few days. So uh and I and I, I really think he's a good coach and uh he knows how to get the attention of his guys. And uh I just think that they need a turnaround win, you know, just for the sake of uh not necessarily for the sake of the program, but just for the sake of them having so many young dudes on the team, you know what I'm saying? I, I think it's one of those, like, uh, a seventh inning stretch type moments, Dane. Yeah. Um, rally rally monkey. Maybe one they those just, rally together games. Maybe they are going to play to the level of their competition this week. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Um. But that'll, I'm not, I'm not going to hold my breath, but it's possible. So, NFL, here we go. Uh, we got our picks out of the way. We're going to end our headlines with some NFL action. And, Jim, currently, Saints are playing. Give us an update. So, they're in overtime. They got first and 10 from the their own 45. They are driving. So maybe we can salvage this game. And I don't feel good even if they do win because after what watching the Chargers collapse last week and having a rookie quarterback, like this might be more about what the Chargers do than the Saints being a good team who found a way to win. Um, you know, debatable, we'll find out. I know this, the biggest storyline coming in and the thing that we had to talk about was Michael Thomas. Uh, you know, whether the reason was because he was called Slant Boy or not, he punched a teammate in the face. Uh, the Slant Boy part is funny. You know, we asked Carlton before the show, you know, should you get offended as a wide receiver? And you said, you know, no. And it's, if you can't nah, heckle your teammates, then – That's ridiculous, man. Yeah, so, I mean, you can't punch your teammate in the face, but he's got to realize what he costs his team. The offense has been struggling without him. He's led the league in receptions the last few years. Um, he's the $100 million man. We need him. He's very selfish. He needs to get over himself. He's if, if they do lose Jim, he he should feel fucking terrible. I mean, I mean, he should. They they Drew his. I mean, it's clear. You know, they talked about Drew made Michael Thomas, and there's some truth to that. But there might be some Michael Thomas help keep Drew um, going these last few years because watching him without him, it, it's it's clear that he needs it's, him. It's it's vice versa because as a receiver. You're totally dependent on whoever's getting you the ball. You know what I'm saying? And with uh, with Mike being a big body and having a large catch radius, is is helping Drew because he doesn't have to try to toss it 
50 yards down the field on the go routes. Yeah, the joke is plays, the slant, right? You know but it's nice yeah. when you have a third and five and you know that you can hit your guy, you right? You can for bust it for 30, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. Um, but right now, let's see, the, the Saints just picked up another first down, maybe, yeah, down to the 22. So, I don't know, man. They got a lot of things to fix. The defense, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this, Daniel. Uh, you know I'm a big Marshawn Lattimore guy. Keenan Allen left the game. And Mike Williams and some no-name dude are absolutely having their way with Marshawn Lattimore and Patrick Robinson. And that's a problem going forward, especially when you got to play Tom Brady again and you got to play some other powerhouse offenses. And then not to mention if you want to have a chance if you make it to the playoffs. So uh, the secondary is scaring me. And then, of course, offensively, you've got to get something back. I will say the Taysom Hill touchdown that I was celebrating earlier at least um, brought some positivity because he's been a waste of money up until that touchdown. I mean, he's literally not been effective at all this year. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, I'm not, if they win, I'm not going to go bragging. We'll, we'll say that. <laughs> well, I will say this is Williams is, is on my bench in fantasy. Yeah, I saw that. For, and I saw that. <laughs> for A.J. Brown. So it who might not play. Who <laughs> Um, everything is pointing to him being back on the field and everything is pointing to him having a good night. But it, anyhow, that's just the way fantasy works sometimes. Um, so I'll ask you this, Carlton, and Drew Brees has been without his best receiver for a, a couple weeks now. Does not having your best receiver, is it that big of a deal when you're – a team that throws the ball a lot like the Saints? Yeah, uh, it, it definitely is because you can count on him, especially when they line up in certain formations. Uh, he usually would probably get one-on-one -on -one coverage. Uh, and when you have somebody that's not used to getting a lot of one-on-one -on -one coverage, they're not used to winning those uh, matchups, and it could, it could throw your whole offense off whack. You know what I'm saying? Um, not being able to hit uh, third downs or you get behind the chains early and, uh, you know, you're facing the medium to long third downs, like third and sevens, third and nines, you know what I'm saying? Shit like that, third and 12. Uh, when you don't have when – you, when you're constantly playing behind the chains, it definitely can throw the offense off rhythm. Yeah, and I mean, Sanders is the number two, always has been. And then I think it puts the pr added pressure on Kamara. He's been great, obviously, but, yeah. I mean, you don't want well, see, him to also, be the go-to yeah. guy. It, it allows the defense to then key in on those guys like Kamara and, and uh, Sanders, Jim. You know what I'm saying? When, when, they, when, they, when you take a threat out of the game like that, now they, have, now they can focus their attention on Kamara and make somebody else beat him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I mean, he's but the thing is he's healthy, right? So let's let's hope his attitude gets corrected. I think yeah, the biggest sure. thing and we'll we'll see how it goes going forward, Daniel, to see if we even got to talk about it, but the chemistry within the team, you know, you can't punch a teammate in the face and I don't imagine things are just going to go right back to smooth, right? I mean, I know if either y'all punches me in the face, friends or not, we're going to have problems. So like <laughs> uh we'll see we'll see how their chemistry is going forward. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about the Saints and their receiver being out of the game. You know, we're going to 
talk about the Cowboys and now the Cowboys don't have Dak Prescott. He Man, that's a totally different uh beast right there, Dane. Yeah. Not having a quarterback is much different than not having your best receiver. And you know, Carlton, you you alluded to the fact that it, it comes down to the guy throwing you the ball. So now Man. We have Andy Dalton throwing to, I would say, probably uh, the best core of receivers that he's probably had it in his entire life. He did have A.J. Green, but I would say, like, as a core of receivers, he's probably got the best group of receivers yeah. to throw to that he's ever had. You know, I am leery in the fact because I think that, you know, when you have a guy like Dak and now you don't have him, it's like, holy shit, now what? Yeah. Um, but now, you know, it's it's going to come down to uh, them doing extra stuff after practice, man, just trying to get chemistry with each other, because that's what Dak had with all those guys. You know what I'm saying? He's been the guy since he's been there pretty much. And, uh, you know what I'm saying? He's got that leadership role and he just had uh, chemistry with all the receivers and kind of know where they like the ball, know where they don't like the ball. They know where they know where Dak likes them to run. You know, things like that. And when you throw a totally new dude in there, he's going to have a different spin on the ball. Uh, he, he might have a different location. So you just got to get, you know what I'm saying, reps with him and kind of be on the same page as far as where uh, he wants you to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I mean, we got the, the Cardinals this week. It's going to be another home game. It's a Monday night game. So it's an extra day for Andy Dalton to – prepare if if this was somebody that we've never heard of or a rookie i i would be concerned but given the fact that andy dalton is a guy who's proved he can win oh yeah yeah he's a veteran football league so that's helpful and now you're putting probably some really i mean you're you're definitely putting really good weapons behind well and yeah yeah that's the thing he only had aj green and tyler eifert yeah. Back when he was with the Bengals, and he was finding a way to make it to the playoffs. I mean, he's got three legitimate receivers and a top three running back. So, I mean, it's I, there. I'm still, I'm still repping them boys, but I, I'm gonna give them this week to to show me something, and and who knows, maybe, maybe the the plan for Dak is just the fire they needed. To as, as sad as it sounds, I don't think professional athletes need any more to play for but it i guess it's always always helpful to have something extra so we'll we'll see i'm not gonna i was very much on the ledge getting ready to jump off um but jim over the past couple of weeks has, has walked me off the ledge and, so and hey gonna... can i say this in regards to dag daniel uh they talked about it last night during sunday night football i think one of the best parts and i'm sure carlton is a is a football player um could appreciate this the amount of love he got from the entire nfl oh man yeah i don't know that i've seen so many people support a player through an injury like dude he's he's a good dude man you know what i'm saying like he's like one of the genuine good dudes that's in the nfl that's just pretty likable pretty much by anybody down to earth dude you know what i'm saying he signs autographs does commercials you know what i'm saying he's good with kids I mean, he's just an overall genuine good dude, man. And I and I wish I hope I wish him the best going forward. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna we'll we'll talk about next week. We'll talk about the contract and and holding out and all that. But I need to get over the initial shock. And I yeah, 
and I'm not on the ledge. I'm just taking a couple steps back and I'm just sitting down. I'm just going to wait and see what happens. And then I might just jump off next week and just be done with it. But who knows? Um, you know, so Carlton, being a Raiders guy, you guys had a very, very big win over the Chiefs. Uh, you take down the Kansas City Mahomes. Um, how how does that feel being a Raiders fan, knowing that now you're you have the ability to beat the best? Man, uh, it it just feels good to see the whole process kind of working and coming to fruition. You know what I'm saying? Um, like I said, I think I think Coach Gruden, when building his team, what he had in mind was either matching Kansas City or you know, just kind of building the team to act, to be able to compete with them. And I think he's done that. And, uh, you know, for them to get that win uh, this past weekend, man, was was a statement win. And I always get the question, like, how to become a Raiders fan and uh, me oh, not that, being that from was California. <laughs> uh, when I was coming out, man, uh, the Patriots, the Eagles, and uh, the Raiders were uh, teams that I worked out for. And the Raiders um, actually invited me to, uh, you know, the facility and camp and everything, you know. I did make the squad, you know what I'm saying, things like that. But it was just an experience. And, uh, you know, I just – the opportunity for me was, uh, you know, just to – you know, it was just a blessing to be able to just have the opportunity. So uh, just yeah, being able I to do that. You know that that's kind of how I, you know just became a Raiders fan. I didn't even I didn't even know that you did all that. And so the idea that we played with you and Alan Irvin, and y'all had opportunities like y'all did, man, that's crazy. We played with the talent we did. Yeah, I did the whole. Uh, I worked out for a lot of Canadian teams. I uh, did that for like a year and a half, and uh, I went down to McAllen, Texas, and played in the Arena Football League for like a year, and then I just kind of. Uh, after that, man, just got tired of bouncing around so much and, you know, trying to find the exact right opportunity. So I just honestly called it quits after that, man. Gotcha. I mean, and it's, that's a tough decision. I mean, for any athlete to make is when the, the time, yeah. yeah. When is the time? Is there a good time? There's probably yeah. never a good time, but just having to make the decision to go, all right, yeah. I'm, I'm done. So. I think my brother-in-law is actually going through that right now. He went to Ridgeway High School and uh, signed with Virginia out of high school and uh, ended up transferring to Vanderbilt, became the SEC Player of the Year. And uh, we was in was on San Antonio for a while, and then uh, he was with the Bulls for a while. He was with the Bulls all the way up until, like, the start of the season. And the day before the season started, they – they released him and uh he's been overseas back and forth ever since and he's played in the big three i don't know if y'all followed that in the, end of the last couple of years but he played in that man and uh i think he's like 36 now 36 37 and uh just kind of at that point where you know what i'm saying he's like all right you know I, I think it's time you know what i'm saying and uh and like you said Daniel, it's, it's, it's pretty tough to uh, set up your life, you know what I'm saying, after after football and just kind of get adjusted to that. And I think that's with, with any athlete, period. You know, yeah, Alan athlete. spoke to that. He talked about how hard, because you know yourself as, as an athlete, as a football player, that's your 
your identity. Yeah. You, know, you got to move past that. I mean, it's a hell of a transition, especially because we're talking about, because you said it yourself earlier, you've been playing sports since you was five years old. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're talking about 20 years of that's what you do. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an adjustment, man. It's hard to let go. And I've seen certain guys struggle with it, man, that I was, you know, pretty close with. They, you know, struggle with it and uh, kind of just half-heartedly or half-assed be like one foot in and one foot out the door. And that's that's usually not a good situation because a lot of times people end up getting hurt that way because they don't have their all into it. And, uh, you know, you just hate to see something like that happen before somebody decides, well, damn, you know what I'm saying? This, this is probably going to be it. Yeah. The, the competitor in athletes makes that decision super tough. And yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with the, the family. Cause I think if family was the only thing, it would be a, lot, a much easier dis- yeah. decision for all of all people. Cause we know what the right choice is at that point. Yeah, for sure. Just being a competitor for so long, having to say, you know, I can't compete at the level that I need to. So, But is that why we see for both of y'all, because both of y'all played in college and both of y'all have had to transition out like, you know, and Daniel, you went into coaching and, and Carlton, I don't know if you've ever done any coaching, but like, is that why so many guys become coaches or analysts because they have trouble just, you know, leaving, not to leaving be all together. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I haven't, like, coached, but I have trained uh, some younger athletes. And, uh, you know what I'm saying, that was kind of my way of, you know, staying in it. Um, I still I still like to go to a lot of, like, high school basketball and high school football games and stuff like that. And uh, just being around, even when I travel, I like to find, like, the high school stadium just to see what it's like, you know what I'm saying, because – it was nothing like playing on Friday nights, man, under under those lights with all your classmates and stuff like that. So uh, I still kind of am, am infatuated with high school sports to this day. So, uh, um, but, you know, I didn't do, like I said, I didn't do the coaching thing. I, I lean more towards the training and uh, speed coaching type of stuff. And, uh, you know, that kind of helped with the whole, you know, transition and everything. Yeah, I think for me it's – I like – the the coaching part i i and this is me personally i always found it more gratifying for others success than my own success and yeah as as a player as a competitor like that's probably that's probably a, a hindrance to my game but i always like to celebrate in the success of others so i think coaching for me was a natural fit because it's constantly developing guys and watching them succeed yeah um and taking guys that are not the most talented and becoming really successful like that's to me there's no greater feeling in the world so um i'm i loved coaching i still do love coaching and you know i think that's an for me, it's a natural fit, almost more natural than being a player at some in some instances. But um, yeah, I think a part of it is to Jim, you know, being able to stay in the game and, and be a part of the game and be around the things that you like. Because for so long, you know, that's all you know and all you do, and it's like Man. it's your comfort zone. It's what you know, and there's a especially when you're leaving college, like there's a whole world that's going to punch you right in the face. Oh, man. 
you want to like go to what you know or what you're good at. So I, I think that's why a lot of people get into coaching is for that reason. So, you know, we, we talk about that, you know, we talk about the coaching part and, you know, I want to get into the Falcons. The Falcons are, are currently, it finally happened. We've been saying this for. Yeah, it's two, been three, long overdue. Yeah. For two or three weeks now, we've been talking about, Dan Quinn, you know, being done with the Falcons and finally it has happened. The problem is, is that I don't see any good replacement for him this year. And I don't see any good replacement for him in the upcoming years. And now, you know, all, all sources indicate that they're opening the doors to get rid of Matt Ryan and, and start over. Ah, kind of rebuild. Yeah, so, you know, we don't have to dive into this. I, I think more information needs to come out. But I, I am curious to see, like, what names come up for this. I mean, obviously, you know, in Tampa, there's guys like Byron, Byron Leftwich, who's been running the offense for a couple of years. If he has some success this year, yeah. given that he's with Tom Brady, he might be a guy that's looking to make the jump and make a name for himself as a head coach. But – I just don't know if they get well, rid of Matt, Matt Ryan and they start over. It's it's going to be it, it's. Well, the first thing they got to do is replace the GM before they even replace the coach. You got to remember Arthur Blank went. You know, normally he's not this kind of guy. He tore it all down. Hey. Yeah. But current, you know, currently look looking at the standings. I mean, you know, when we get away from the bottom of the barrel and we start talking about the the playoffs in. We'll look at the NFC first. I mean, I think Seattle five and zero, Green Bay four and zero, Jim, the Saints three and two, right there in the pack, just holding, holding steady, holding strong. Uh, they're all they got to do is keep pace. They're, they're going to get Tampa again. They already have the edge on Tampa Bay. They got two games with the with the Panthers that are three and two. So uh, Dallas is two and three, which is just just silly just to even think of but they're leading the division at two and three without their quarterback uh you're looking at the rams four and one the bears the big surprise four and one and the the cardinals and the bucks three and two round out the top eight of those eight seattle green bay new orleans dallas the rams chicago arizona and tampa bay of those eight, Carlton, who stays in the top eight and makes the playoffs and who does not stay in the top eight? Uh, I don't think the Rams will be in the top eight when it's all said and done. They're, they're four and one. So, and, and I, I got to ask you, I, if, if you look at the bottom of the division, the Giants – 0-5, the Falcons 0-5, the Vikings 1-4, yeah. Washington 1-4, Detroit 1-3, Philly 1-3, San Francisco 2-3, Carolina's 3-2. Like, who who beats them? Because I, I don't see it. Uh, I don't know, man. I I think they are probably going to be the favorites in, in, in most of their games. I just think that I don't know, man. It's just, you, don't, it's just, you don't like them. <laughs> no, nah, it's not that I don't like them. Uh, it's, it's just, I don't know, man. It's just that I don't think that 
they are like big game ready. Right. You might be right. I mean, they, they just haven't. They just haven't proven it to me yet. That's all. That's. I could see that. I mean, the the big game that they played in, they they lost. So yeah. I I can see that. And and since then, it's been. Um, wait till next year. Wait till yeah. next year. It's kind of like it's kind of like the out. Ravens right now. You know what I'm saying? Like the Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson is a just a crazy talent, but. I mean, he's like, what, 0-4 against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they lost to the freaking Titans last year. And uh, it's just they haven't gotten over that uh, next step hump yet. Yeah, I I, I mean, I, I'm, I got the Rams in. I got Arizona moving out. I got, yeah, yeah. I got Chicago moving out. And I – I think so. If I move those two teams out, that means two teams have to move in theoretically. Well, you keep saying eight, but there's only seven teams in the playoffs. Or I'm sorry, I'm I'm looking at it's it's got the Bucks in the eight. Ah, uh, and, okay. and they're because I follow them, it's got them highlighted. So I keep I keep throwing them <laughs> in there. But yeah, you're you're right. But if if I eliminate. Anyway, if I eliminate two of my top seven teams, Chicago and Arizona, that means Tampa Bay moves up into one of those spots, and I got one spot available. And Carolina, San Francisco, those are the two closest, and I, I just don't see it. Like, nah, Carolina, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Carolina's got to play two games against the Saints. They got to play the Bucs. They got to – like. But check this, Daniel. We're going to find out immediately because of the two teams that y'all discussed and then now who you're bringing up. Chicago's next two games are against Carolina and the Rams. So yeah. we're going to get some mean results. But here's the thing. I like that you took Chicago out So because not only do they play Carolina and the Rams, but then they play the Saints and add the Titans, and then they got two games to Green Bay. Like, I mean, the Bears – the Bears have been a good story so far, but their schedule is fixing to get horrendous. Yeah, I, I, I think you can move them out, throw Carolina in, and that's your, your – I mean, they're going to get McCaffrey back. So, I don't know, Teddy <clears throat> Two Gloves, can he lead them? I, I don't know. I mean, I I gave you McCaffrey in fantasy. <laughs> I didn't, you didn't give them to me. I had to, I had yeah. to basically take a loss this week because I gave up a starting running back and receiver and had and to play hey, with scrubs. And those and and Diggs is a guy that I need to have a good game tomorrow. But I know you got to be feeling anywhere. somewhat salty, even though we don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback changing. But C.D. Lamb was a throw-in in our trade, and he's been a monster. I mean, I I had to. Every deal has to have a sweetener, and C.D. was the sweetener. So there you go. I had to I had to <laughs> give you give you something. Because you 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 had to you had to have somebody that could have played right away, and I think you were you're still waiting on McCaffrey to play. Like he's finally he's he's met his three week threshold for the IR, so he can come off the IR. But like, how long does he sit out there and not play? So and and, and if I'm them, I'm in no hurry. Nah, unless no, I and, and, and unless I win the next couple games, like I'm in no hurry to put him on the field. Yeah. So. And hey, let me let me say this as we're talking to to finish out my thought process. 
you know, San Francisco, because uh, I was looking because the Rams got them next. I said in our projections before the season when we did that episode that they weren't going to make the playoffs. And I told you it's because for whatever reason, we've talked about it, you can check back whether we're talking about the Rams, the Panthers, the Falcons, whoever loses the Super Bowl for the NFC falls off the next year. And so that's not even a surprise to me. And they didn't just lose Sunday. I mean, they got pissed on by Miami, who's not a good team. I know. They, But when you're looking at Fitz Magic back there, anything is possible. <laughs> but doesn't he only play good for like the first four or five games? So aren't Miami screwed going forward? Oh, yeah. They, they're done. Like he's, he's – That was it. That, the, the last rabbit came out of his hat this weekend. So it's, yeah. it'll be downhill. You'll start seeing – them chant for Tua here next week. Watch. So, you know, we, we we broke down the NFC a little bit. Let's talk about the AFC and you know, just to update the the Braves ended up scoring five runs in the ninth. Is that yeah no four runs. Wow. Smacked so another home run. Okay. <clears throat> okay. I see him. So I mean obviously you know we're looking at, you know, Kansas City's always a, a team, despite the loss this week. You know, and, and I'll ask you this, Carlton. They, they, your team beat them, but is Kansas City still the team to beat in the AFC? Yeah, most, most definitely. Uh, like I said, the Ravens been having the best shot at them, but they just can't get over the hump to beat them. Um, I, most definitely they are still the team to beat in the AFC. I just don't see anybody uh, keeping pace with them as far as, like, for the top spot in the AFC this year. Yeah, and when we look at the, the, the top seven, you're looking at Buffalo 4-0, Tennessee's 3-0. We'll find out, you know, tomorrow night um, which one of those teams stay undefeated. Then you got Pittsburgh at 4-0, Kansas City 4-1, Baltimore 4-1. And you got gems, LSU North, the Cleveland Browns sitting at, at four and one, and then your your Vegas Raiders sitting at three and two. Um, I, I, I out of those teams, yeah, I think the best chance to uh, keep pace with them is probably going to be. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say the Bills, man, just because they they uh they they conference is just you know what I'm saying kind of whack. Yeah, it's hard to say the Bills when you're gonna get the zero and five Jets twice. You get yeah. the two and three Dolphins twice. <laughs> you get a a, a five hundred New England team, which you could yeah. probably. You'll probably split with them just because. Yeah. But that's not a surprise to us, Daniel, because before the season, we picked oh, them no. to go to the AFC Championship. We said it always was about Josh Allen taking a step forward. And, I yeah. mean, if it wasn't for Russell Wilson, he'd be the leader in the MVP debate. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, what? who is surprising me, I think, more than the Cleveland Browns at 4-1 and one is probably the, the Steelers. Yeah, for sure. I, I did not see them having like a good start like this. Oh, well, I, I did. would like to have seen them play the Titans I, last week. I I predicted this. I predicted the Steelers to get Big Ben back and, and yeah. make it into the playoffs. Uh, but I also picked the 
the Patriots to make the playoffs too, and the Colts not to, and both of them are on the outside looking in. So, yeah, you know, it's it's going to be tough between Buffalo, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, and Kansas City. Like, I I don't know. You got Baltimore. But, Daniel, let me ask – since we got Carlton on the show and you said Baltimore, let me ask you, Carlton. I asked Daniel this the other day when we were on the phone. Can Baltimore legitimately be a threat to win it all without a a real threat in the pass game? Because as a wide receiver, you know the the importance. Malcolm Brown and Mark Andrews are not going to be the guys who lead you to a Super Bowl. And I understand the Ravens have won with defense and running the ball in the past, but you're talking about going against – I think it's a – when uh, when you say they won with defense and running in the pass, I think it was a totally different NFL than from it is now. You know what I'm saying? Because of the way that teams like Kansas City can score so fast, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they play from behind like they have been versus Kansas City, they they don't got a shot. And that's, and that's they're my so thing. Dependent. They're so dependent on the running game, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to be the ultimate Lamar Jackson hater, and and maybe because of his lack of receiving options. But when they're in that Kansas City game this year on Monday Night Football, I mean, it was non-existent. I just don't see how they can win when it comes down to it if they can't throw the ball. Yeah, right now, Jim, they have more of a system than they have like a star player. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like if they had a star wide out, let's just say like a, I don't know, Devontae Adams. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Hob- uh, D. Hopkins. When you, you know look at all saying? these other teams, they, they got them like Buffalo added, added Diggs, you know, Pittsburgh's oh, got Juju. That, that, like, took, that took Buffalo to another level on offense, bro, because Diggs is – he may be a diva, but he's a baller. Yeah, and so when you look at all these other AFC teams that we're t- we've been sitting here talking about, they all got a star receiver, if not two. And yeah, so, no doubt. I mean – that's that's gonna that's no, my right. biggest. They, they in the toughest conference, bro, in the AFC. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, look at that. Like, like uh, Daniel just said, uh, Cleveland's four and one. Uh, still is a four and zero. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Cincinnati's still Cincinnati, but damn, those yeah. those AFC North's games be well. And see, they la- they laughed at me, Carlton, when I picked on our pick episode. I picked the Browns to go to playoffs, and then Daniel even said to me earlier, he goes, "They still probably fall off." And then I read that schedule to him. And he was like, are you kidding me? They, hey, these dudes, their second and third last games are against the Giants and the Jets back-to-back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did say this. It, with that schedule, if there's a team that ever falls off, it's, it's <laughs> one, one of two teams, it's Dallas or it, it's the Browns. So there you go. Well, guys, let's let's wrap this thing up. Let's do a last call for the the headlines in sports. And I'll start with you, Jim. What did we miss? Man, uh, you hit on it. I was actually going to come back around to the, the Braves and how they were able to get that victory. I think that was a big deal. Obviously, we, you announced when you gave the records, the Saints ended up finishing it off. So, uh, I mean, that was the only notes because we're doing this show while there's uh, – while there's sports going on. So I think I think we did a pretty good job of, of hitting everything. I don't know. Yeah, the, the one thing that, that we did we did miss and we have been missing is, you know, we got WNBA championship. We got Seattle Storm has just been crushing it. Second championship in three years, man. Like it's hard to win. Like at, at the highest level, it's hard to win. 
and it's even harder to win championships. So shout out to the Storm, two in the past three years. That's that's incredible. Yeah, no Car- doubt. Well, the Carlton. thing I told you was the Brianna Stewart thing, right? Like they threw yeah. up her her numbers as a 26 year old, and I mean she's got like four national titles, two NBA titles, two MVPs, a gold medal, bro. Yeah, like I mean, she's got she's got you know a serious resume. Oh, she's she's gonna inevitably be the best player of all time. So, um, Carlton, what did we miss in the world of sports? I was when you asked that question, I was actually thinking about the WNBA. Uh, I just wish that they had, you know, what I'm saying, this, not maybe the same, but at least close to the same uh, recognition that uh, the NBA had because they got some 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 girls that can ball, man. And uh, man, other than that, uh, you guys pretty much touched on. Uh, a lot of stuff. Um, what about uh, what about college baseball, Dan? What did, what do you think about that with this whole you know COVID and all that thing going on? I mean, it's here's the thing with with baseball is as long as those as long as the baseball itself will be fine. Yeah. It's it's getting college kids to do what they got to do off the field. That's and pretty not, tough sometimes. It's extremely tough. Because well, I'll tell you this, Daniel. I was messaged by Cameron James while we were at the soccer field. They they've been full on practicing every single day. Well, when you're outside, like it, it's very rare, especially at a baseball practice, where you're in close contact with another person. Yeah. Like pitcher and catcher, or batter and catcher is about as close as you get, unless you're on a base with somebody but even still like in practice that's very limited and very rare without frequent movement um so in practice i can see it in games is where it starts getting more difficult and tough and you know what what might end up happening is you you play the games and you treat the covid cases if you have them as injuries and you just next man up and yeah yeah and hopefully that's enough to have the kids, you know, make it through the season, make it through the season and do what they got to do to be safe and, and be team first when they, when they go out, because I, I get it. Like part of college and getting away from home is having that social life and being able to yeah. experience and, and do those types of things. But unfortunately uh, we're in an area of time where the, that's, it's not safe and, and yeah. it, it's not it's not going to be a team first approach so for sure um but yeah let's uh let's shoot around the horn jim i'll start with you what's the one thing and this could be politics this could be life this could be in sports this could be anything what's the one thing jim the audience needs to know before you go this is going to do with sports life mental health Addition. Uh, so last week, I, wa- I wanted to elaborate and take a step further on the Mark Cuban picking up Delonte West story because. Oh, man. Yeah, some pictures came out and, you know, uh, something that Carlton maybe don't know that you know, Daniel, is my wife teaches art therapy class at an addiction center, the biggest one here in the Mid-South. And uh, they're part of five different campuses. And Daniel, I can't confirm this, but when I see the pictures that they're showing of Delonte West at an addiction uh, campus, um, the one down that they have down in the, uh, you know, Southwest kind of, 
is is an outdoor ranch-based facility because all the five different facilities are unique. And so when I see these pictures and they say that he, you know, he's in a rehabilitation center, I can't help but to think that that's possibly where he's at. And they say, you know, the reports are that he's doing great. You see these pictures, you see him smiling. And that's a big deal because on social media, all we've seen is the videos that have gone viral of yeah. him in his, his worst state. So yeah, for um, sure. Shout out again to, to Mark Cuban and man, just uh, prayers and, and the best of luck to Delonte because as I said, my, you know, I've helped my wife at the addiction uh, center and man, uh, battling addiction is just something serious. And since, you know, we're on it all together, um, addiction, just like a lot of things, uh, the percentages have went up through the pandemic, right? So, um, you know, if you have a problem, reach out to these recovery centers, get help before, uh, you know, things spiral out of control and you end up kind of like Delonte West was on the street, um, you know, basically with nowhere to go. And maybe you don't have a Mark Cuban. So, you know, if you have one of these issues or you have friends or family members who have these issues, man, address it before it's too late. For sure. Absolutely. So, Carlton, what's the one thing the audience needs to know before you go? Uh, man, that uh, it's it's okay to disagree, man. Um, you know what I'm saying? Whether it's in sports or politics or, you know, just life in general, it's it's okay to disagree, but it's never okay to be disrespectful. And, uh, you know, this it's going to take everybody – uh, to kind of come together and work together right now with us being in the times that we're in. You know, everybody knows that this, you know, is election time and politics is huge right now and all that type of stuff, man. I just would tell people don't lose any friends over politics, bro. You know what I'm saying? Um, and like I said, it's just, it's okay to disagree, but it's, it's never okay to be disrespectful. Absolutely. It's a good message, man. I mean, it's good, just good to live by. I mean, even outside of, of the world of politics or anything, like just treat people the way you want to be treated. And, you know, that, that'll take you a long way. For, for me, the one thing, I mean, I have a couple things that the audience needs to know before I go. The first thing is I've been talking about Alex Smith for months now and just journeying his progress and the dude winded up on the field which is unbelievable playing did you see his wife (laughs) she was up there just nervous rick (laughs) i bet but i mean like the the journey he's been on man is unbelievable and regardless of the outcome of the game i think it's there's something to be said for mental fortitude and and wanting something bad enough yeah for Um, sure and that, that guy's a, a, a grinder, and he put his mind to something, and he did it. So shout out to Alex Smith getting back on the field. I don't know what that means for the weeks to come, but, you know, I think it all of what he's done is worth being able to spend those few minutes on that football field Sunday. So uh, the second thing is Joe Morgan, another, you know, we we, we talk about – these guys, these, these hall of famers, uh, in all sports. And they just, you know, they're, they're starting to pass away for, for different things. And Joe Morgan was a commentator for a long time and an unbelievable baseball player. You know, he, he passed away. So, you know, rest in peace, Joe Morgan. And then finally, uh, I've been hitting on this every week and I'm going to, and, and until the day comes, uh, but get out and vote. 
no doubt. You don't vote, you can't complain, but yeah. get out and, and make a difference. The best way to create change is by the, the, the one right that you know that you have. So go out, vote, do do what you think is best for you, for your family, whether that's one choice or another. It, I, I could care less. I just want to spread the message that make sure you vote. Um, just to touch on the voting thing a little bit, Dane, before we get out of here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know everybody's focused on like the presidential election and all that, but for people to see more change where they actually live, man, you got to get out and vote on local stuff, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, your police chief, uh, city alderman, uh, just just things like that. Uh, you know, district attorney in your city. Uh, I mean, it's it's just the small things that I think a lot of people overlook when it comes to voting, bro. And, uh, you know, because a lot of stuff on a national level, you know, it's not really going to affect your everyday life, in my opinion. Um, but you will see a lot more change if people got out and put the right people in the right positions where you actually live and where your kids go to school and things like that, man. So I just kind of wanted to throw that out there no, for people absolutely. to vote, vote locally as well. Yeah, read, get the ballots, read, read the ballots, make sure you know what you're voting for prior to going in. That way you're not making a, a, a rash decision in, in the moment. Um, but yeah, vote locally and vote nationally. Just just get out and vote. Uh, but guys, dude, it's, man, we, we jumped into a lot of sports tonight and went deeper than I thought we were going to go, which was great. It was a lot of fun. You know, Carlton, man, I want to, want to thank you for coming on. We got to definitely get you back on here, especially when we dig into some of these sports like we did tonight, because you are a, a wealth of knowledge and it's a good perspective to have, you know, because you, you played it, you lived it. So you, you know it and, you know, being able to run certain scenarios by you and getting a, an outlook from, from your view is, is big. So I, I appreciate you coming on, man. And, and like I said, we're, we're going to keep in touch, man. We'll, we'll have you back on. Most sure. definitely. I, th I thank y'all for having me, man. And um, just want to wish y'all fellas the best with everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate it, man. So if you like hearing us, Average Joe's Talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, feedback is always welcome. Check out the website. Jim, dude, off the chain, man. Great job on the website. Check it out. And we're going to see everyone next week, season two. It'll be our 29th episode, but see, it'll be the first episode of season two. We're going to be talking about football life at Southeastern Louisiana University with our man, Trey Spann. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out. <laughs>